It's Friday, December 3rd, 2021, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam, this is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. You can find them at manrubs.com and on Instagram, mm. manrubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. Use the code STICK15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear, stayreadygear.com, and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off duty gear. Need something custom? We got you. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. You know, you really can't take a great night's sleep for granted. Nope. Whether the sheets are made of Giza, the pillows are of the premiumest quality, and the slippers act like pillows on your feet. My pillow is meeting all the needs of the sleep-deprived America First listeners across the globe. Use the promo code STAKE at checkout for up to 66% off MyPillow products. You can also go to the website at MyPillow.com forward slash stake or via the telephone 1-800-658-8045. The world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording gear can be found at Odyssey and Odyssey.com. Whether you're gaming, potting, or in-studio recording while you walk alone, Odyssey brings extreme angelic sounds to your ears. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. Firearms. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arm. Not all the stocking stuffers. Like maybe that newest pocket piece. I need one of those in my yeah. stocking. And ammo. Newly redesigned website at... West Coast Survival Arms.com. Find Mike on Facebook Messenger or via the telephone 619-870-6992. We love our first responders and they love Mediocre Medic. Flip-flops, t-shirts, sweatshirts, fanny packs while off duty, stickers and patches while on and saving lives. MediocreMedic.com, they're on Instagram. And last but not least, Dumpbox, home of the Zero Fuck Stuck. First Santa one drops this Sunday. If you don't know, Go to dumpbox.us, find them on Facebook, or find them on Instagram. Friends, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, website, telegram, and more. And on that note, welcome to Friday edition, action-packed, four big guests, episode 87, Steak for Breakfast Podcast. I'm Ron. Noah's here. Yep. Antoinette will be along in just a bit. And we're going to jump right into it today. Joining us first today on this Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast, he's an America First candidate running out of Arizona 6. Mr. Josh Barnett, thank you for joining us on Steak for Breakfast today. Well, thank you for having me. I've, I've uh, had a little mix up here with my schedule, as I told you, and uh, my, my 
wife had an opportunity to get her knee worked on hmm. uh, with the doctor. And uh, so she took off uh, Tuesday evening. And so me, me and Bentley, uh, my son have been, um, I've been doing double duty now with, with campaigning, with work, with running, with running my facility and then back and forth to school. So it's been a, a little extra work here this last few days. Yeah. I, th- I think all the parents in the room right now can attest that that just sometimes conveniently yeah. happens. Yeah. So yeah, my dog's a lot of work. Well, at least you're stacking some <laughs> chips for when she gets home. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, she's flying home this afternoon, so I'll be I'll be good after after this afternoon. Nice. Oh, there you go. Um, let's jump right into it now. First of all, what compelled you to get into this? I know your backstory a little bit. I've been doing some researching what you did behind the scenes the last couple of years, both with your business and, and some of the legal things you did. But why don't you introduce yourself, you know, to our listening audience? Well, I, I think, you know, for me, the one of the number one reasons that I decided I wanted to jump into politics was the, the corruption that I've seen. Mm-hmm. The nonstop corruption from the local state, now the federal level, you guys have all seen it. It drives me absolutely insane. And, and that's what really has driven me. Um, I guess I've always followed politics my entire life. And, and that's the one thing that always drove me the most, most insane, the most nuts was, was watching these people get away with murder, literally sometimes. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but we see the corruption in every, every, every industry. Yeah, if you get Clinton cited, you know, everybody knows what I mean by that. <laughs> So, you know, you see this stuff happening, um, like in, a, in the book we wrote, you know, with CPS, with medical kidnapping, with um, people shutting you down, saying you're essential, not essential. Uh, you know, the corruption with the elections, uh, these these um, these corrupt rhino Republicans not wanting to have forensic audits in their states. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's it's absolutely disgusting. And, and you know. I really feel that, you know, it opened a lot of eyes to the to the person who didn't know much coming in. But um, and it's going to it's going to be a blessing in disguise, you know, looking back. But it is very frustrating. And uh, we have blatant evidence in Wisconsin of corruption even to the point where the Racine County Sheriff has issued criminal referrals and criminal indictments yep. based off of it. And it's yep. a statewide thing with the nursing homes. And, and they still haven't called for a special or a, excuse me, a um, decertification and or a, a full forensic audit. I've been working with uh, Representative Tim Rantham up there for months now. Mm-hmm. And he has he has he has a ready to go resolution ready to go. He can't find one senator as of yet to sign on to it. Terrible. It's and they know they know it's blatantly happening. They know what's going on, but they they're, they're a little they're, they're scared. They're scared to take that first step. Yeah. And uh, and I, I find that these weak, feckless Republicans drive me nuts. And they need to be voted out. We need to really pay attention and and evaluate you know where you're from and look at your people that are running or in office. And, um, and and really evaluate who needs to be in office and who needs to be replaced. Yeah, it's, pre- it's pretty interesting that you mentioned that. You know, we do a lot of uh, Stop the Steal coverage on this show, and we've had a lot of the people who work directly on it uh, join us. Everybody from Seth Keschel, who, who did a lot of the independent auditing everywhere from Arizona through Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. Uh, Christina Bob, who was in the legal counsel for Rudy Giuliani in the initial election uh, fraud stuff. We, we have... Uh, Patrick Witt, who's running in Georgia 10, uh, he's coming on, and he worked directly in the Georgia, uh, like, whatever they did down there. And his frustration level got so big that he's turned that into a, you know, run for, for a, a house seat in Georgia 10. And, you know, we keep hearing the same things over and over, and we've been kind of able to put a narrative around it, and you nailed it right on the head. It's the fear of being the first one to be the first domino, essentially. And because it, the, the media narrative will – 
like immediately turn to okay, this state is now disenfranchising voters. They're racist. It's everything bad. They'll probably have file footage of January six up behind it. Like this is what Donald Trump wanted when he did this, and and it's just not the case. The case is in every state where they had those huge dumps and changes in numbers in the middle of the night, and there's five of them for sure, probably closer to seven states. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, you see that there was something that was just mathematically impossible happen. And, and now yeah. that, that people have legitimately worked on it and seen the numbers and done a lot of crunching and, and done reports and given presentations, no judge, no senator, no representative at the state level wants to be the person. You know, we thought we had Judge Marrow in Georgia, and, and then what happened happened there. And, you know, we, we definitely thought we had a slam dunk in Arizona. We had Christina Bob on the week of the uh, – it was like we had her on the Tuesday after the reveal on Friday and she was so excited. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now we're in the position right now where it's like almost it's in the rearview mirror. So it, it's one of those things where we really have to go back to look in what happened in 2020 and fixing it. And it seems like you're one of the people who definitely champion that in, uh, you know, part of getting into this for your campaign. If we, if we don't, if we don't correct what happened in 2020, you know, there's, I want to say there's no point in moving forward. But there's literally no point moving forward. If you can't correct it, if you don't know what happened to correct it, how can you write future legislation to fix something you don't know even what happened? Right. It doesn't make any sense. And, and, and Christina, I, I, I spoke with her many times, and I was there um, at the audit release here in Maricopa County, and I was the first one to actually speak um, at the post-audit yep. um, uh, yep. post, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, release or whatever. You know, we were, it was me, Karen Stan, Sonny Borelli, Wendy Rogers. Um, and I think Kelly Ward uh, was, was speaking. I spoke on behalf of the people. I was involved from day one. Um, and, and you know, with uh, Congressman Paul Gozar, and from the first night that we, we started doing affidavits and uh, collecting it from the people and, and, and hitting the, um, you know, hammering our state legislature, basically teaching them that, you know, uh, they, they didn't know what the, what the the law said they didn't know the highest law of the land, the Constitution, and what it said. They didn't right. understand, and and um, it was it's our duty as the people to instruct them. You know, we see this a lot now. Um, as you guys know, this this is kind of in the hands of Attorney General Brnovich here in Arizona. They they handed him in his lap. Here's all. Here's all. Here's what we found in the forensic audit. Mm-hmm. Now do something about it. You know, verify it and do something about it. Hold these criminals accountable for what happened. I I had I had a um a lady reached out to me kind of randomly just uh, within the last week, about a week, week and a half ago. And she said, Hey, I talked to um, the assistant attorney general, Jennifer Wright. And she showed me the text messages from her. And, it, and she, basically this assistant uh, attorney general was saying, Oh, Josh Barnett says he has all this evidence that I've never seen anything. Basically telling him I'm full of crap. I said, mm-hmm. okay. So I go, what about the video of uh, the three people deleting a million files the day before the audit? So Jennifer Rice said, I haven't seen that video. I've not been given any information on that video. So I was like, what the heck, right? So I made some calls afterwards. We ended up hand delivering a thumb drive of that video directly to her so she can't play stupid with me and say she didn't get it. Mm. Now she said the investigators could have it, but I wouldn't know about it. How would she not know about it when she's the lead person on this for, for Brenovich? everything's supposed to go through her. Every bit of evidence is supposed to go through her. And she tells me she hasn't seen the video. doesn't have anything, uh, you know, any of the video footage from it. Hmm. So we hand delivered it to her, gave it to her. So she has no excuse. 
that that's what these people do. They play dumb in the dark. Yep. But when you shine light on things, it's how you expose them. And, that, and that's that's kind of the whole premise of what my, my good friend David Jose and I have been doing is shining light on what's happening with notices and affidavits and showing them the law and showing them what they're doing is wrong. And, and, and they, they can rebut it if they like, but I've yet to have one person rebut any affidavit that we've done because they can't rebut what we're saying. It's literally the constitution written as is with an explanation behind it, with how, how it applies to what's happening um, with whatever we're, we're addressing at the time. But, you know, a lot of people need to understand you need to redress your grievances with your state legislature. And, um, and when you do that, it corners these people and it exposes them. So when I, when I asked the state legislator, actually, I want to call today Wisconsin. I'm going to do exactly what I'm telling you right now. I'm going to ask them, so are you in office to represent the will of the people or your will? And, of course, they'll, they'll be like, well, the people's will. And I go, okay, so what are the people of Wisconsin telling you? They want a full forensic audit. They yep. want this election decertified. So you tell me why you are not signing on the Tim Rantham's resolution. If you're representing the will of the people, like you just told me, why are you not signing on to this? And, and you know, when you corner them with the Constitution and, and the rights of the people, it's funny because we've spoken, uh, uh, say we, David Jose and I, have spoken with um, an attorney that was in the Oval Office at the big meeting, the big thing with Patrick Byrne and Flynn and Sidney right. Powell and, and Cipollone and all these people. And we spoke with her. She had no clue what the state constitution said, what the rights of the people are and the bill of rights of the, of the constitution mm. of the very, the 50 constitutions. She had no idea. So she goes, David, what law school did you go to? He started laughing. He's like, I didn't go to law school, <laughs> but she, she, she literally thought, you know, and here, here, she's very smart. I mean, she's, I mean, she's a brilliant attorney, but she had, you know, she knows statue and, 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 you know, uh, how to file things properly and all this stuff, but she doesn't know the highest law of the land. Yep which is obviously the U.S. Constitution, anything not repugnant to it, which would be the state constitution. Mm -hmm. And she didn't know. And, and that's the one thing we've been doing is we've been educating people um, that it's the people's duty to, um, to instruct our representatives, to instruct our elected servants and trustees, because that's what they are. And we need to quit propping these people up on a pedestal and calling them leaders because they're not. We're not a democracy. We're a republic. Yep. And in a republic, we elect servants and trustees. They work for us. We're the owners of the company. And the last time I checked, you know, I own my own business. Anybody who's owned a business before, you're not going to let your employee tell you what to do. Exactly. exactly. And, and that's exactly what's happening right now. Why, why are we letting our elected servants tell us what to do? Or what's it's, important. It's unacceptable. Yeah, it, it, either way, right. Exactly. And, and that's one thing we've been doing is just going out and teaching. We did a... I did a um, an interview. David and I did an interview with Javon Pulitzer uh, last last night. I get all my great. days confused. Last night, and um, we really took a deep dive into this, and uh, he was blown away about what what the people should be doing and what what they haven't been doing, and and how we've been addressing things on a smaller scale because it's just David and I and our our group of people. Although it has expanded quite a bit nationwide, but mm. um, you know, but when people understand what what the Constitution calls for and how to address issues as one of the people, um, you don't call the, um, the bar association and complain to them. It's not going to work. You know, you don't, you don't make a judicial complaint. It's not going to work. You address your elected servants at the state level and you tell them, I want this corrected. And if you're not going to correct it, then we're going to take action. Yep. 
Yeah, that's that's definitely something that uh, you know, th- just the education yeah. portion of it that you're going around, not just in Arizona and in the district you're running in, but but nationwide and kind of you know opening up people's eyes to what can we do now that we've got somewhat of disposition in all these places to move forward to hopefully get to a resolution of it is just you know kind of mind blowing and and doing this all, you know, the way you're doing it is just amazing and and i'm sure it's greatly appreciated to everyone who's kind of in this america first movement i I do want to touch on some of the uh you know strong pillars that you have in your campaign obviously you're in arizona uh two things that there um i know you're a huge advocate to ending human trafficking and bringing awareness to it in addition to the importance of having strong borders in the united states and uh, i want to kind of get your takes on those well, they, they really, I mean, they go hand in hand, yeah. especially now with an open border. You know, they, it, it's happening more than ever. Um, unfortunately, uh, more women and children are being raped coming across the border. One in three women are raped coming here. And, um, you know, not to mention the drugs that are pouring through, the heroin, the uh, the uh, the fentanyl that's coming in. Uh, we had 100,000 drug overdoses last year. Yeah. 100,000. And, um, you know, again, it, it's, it's Biden and the far left policies don't work. And we're going to see an example of this. And I'm, and I'm glad that the courts finally stepped in. The remain in Mexico policy was re-implemented yesterday. And you're going to see numbers dip in December, January due to it. And it's going to show the American people that I don't care if you like Trump or his personality. I don't give a dang if you like him. His policies work. Yes. And that's right. all I care about. Right. I don't vote for, I don't vote based on emotion or feelings. I vote based on Who's going to get the job done and who has the best policies? So even that simple step of, of having to, uh, you know, re-implement that policy is going to make a big difference on that border. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing those numbers come through here in the next few months. But it's a, it's a safety issue as well, as you know. Sure. It's a major safety issue, especially here in Arizona. Um, they were, they're housing these illegal immigrants in Scottsdale, in my district, in a hotel. We got vets living on the streets, but they're putting these people up. And now they're talking about giving four hundred fifty-five thousand dollars to them. Are you out of your mind? Mm. Really? Are crazy. these people out of their minds? They're nuts. And um, it's it's just it's absolutely insane. And, and you know, no, no, to me, no sane person, logical, common sense person. I don't care if you're a Democrat or not, can look at that and think that that's okay. Yeah, yeah. We had Jorge Ventura on from the Daily Caller last Tuesday. It was. I think the third time he's been on the show with us, he just released a new documentary about some of the stuff that's going on at the border, everything from like the human trafficking and the stuff that's going on with the kid element on both the Mexican and American side. And he kind of parlayed that into where this stuff is going north into Arizona, into California. And now like his part two of the documentary is going to kind of highlight, okay, when these people come across and they have debts to pay or these people come in and they commit immigration fraud or their getaways, where are they going? They're going to work in grows. They're going to work in the sex trade. One out of three kids is getting lost, uh, which is which is horrible. And uh, you know, it's great to to have somebody in a district that's so you know near and dear to the border, and 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 be really focused in on that as one of your strongest issues. Uh, next thing I wanted to touch on real quick was uh, the whole COVID narrative. It seems to be the you know the umbrella excuse for every single thing that's gone on with this, if you want to call it an administration, a regime, whatever it is. Um, you know, it's either. Stuff gets really bad and a new variant comes out or someone looks really bad after a congressional hearing and they all of a sudden catch COVID. You know, it's happened to Mayorkas, it's happened to Jen Psaki, uh, so on and so forth. And, you know, it's it's one of these things where it's just becoming like... It's a get out of jail free card. 
basically. Or and, no reverse. And the only people who are technically being put in jail is the American public with restrictions, with vaccine mandates, with, you know, lockdowns and, and distance learning for kids. They just kind of do whatever they want and, and, and kind of, you know, pick and choose where it is and how it is. So how are you going to, in Arizona, which which has been pretty good in, in as far as not being as restrictive as some of the other, you know, crazy states, but continuing to get past this whole the COVID something we're going to have to live with. So how do we live with it? Yeah. You know, it, again, they're going about it the, the wrong way. And there's, there's, there's about 16,000 doctors that have signed on to a document that uh, Dr. Malone has put out yes. to, to say exactly this. It needs to be addressed prophylactically. It needs to be addressed early onset using um, HCQ, ivermectin, monoclonal antibodies, vitamin D, vitamin C, uh, zinc, and, and that, that's how it needs to be attacked and approached, um, you know, from a preventative standpoint. Uh, you know, taking these, the vaccines have been proven that they don't keep you from getting it and they don't keep you from spreading it. So what is the purpose of taking it? Mm-hmm. They say it, it reduces hospitalizations. Okay, maybe. But I also see people dying from them and getting myocarditis. Yeah. I see soccer players all over the world dropping dead from the shots that they were forced to take. I see... I see uh, uh, children now, they're trying to be forced to take it, having issues. And literally, um, there was a, a video of a University of Florida uh, power forward, I think it's a power small forward, just collapsed mid-court. Yep. Flat on his face, just collapsed. It was actually kind of scary to watch. I mean, knowing he's okay. But the fact that these, that these, these um, causing uh, the impact on the heart that it is, and we have proof of it, and they just want to ignore it. In the Brandon administration is so dumb, they keep doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. The, the vaccines don't work. Let's just be honest. They don't work. They're not going about it the right way. They're not going at it prophylactically and early onset like Dr. Urso, uh, Dr. Um, Zelenko, all these people at the very beginning, these frontline doctors from the beginning were saying we're treating this wrong. And now we have even more information. You got the creator of the mRNA, Dr. Malone, saying, don't take this. Yeah. He's the creator of, of this, of this, you know, method and he's saying not to do it. So what does that tell you? And he has 16,000 other doctors joining him on this worldwide. Yep. And, and, and these people continue to push this. It, it's a power grab exactly what it is. And um, it's hard for good. It's hard for good people to understand how evil these people are. Oh, yeah. And I think that's part of it too. It's hard to understand. Like I can't think like them. So it's, it's hard for people, good people out there to be like, Oh, they, our government wouldn't do that. <laughs> you know, our, our, you know, uh, the Vatican wouldn't do that. And I'm sitting in front of a Catholic church right now. Yeah. But why don't you look up Doc, uh, uh, Archbishop Pagano and see what he's got to say about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or Bishop Schneider, he's, he's see what he's got to say about it. Yes, I love him. And, and luckily, luckily, um, my priest here uh, is, is, uh, sees the light. Let's say, I'll say it nicely. I won't, <laughs> oh, <laughs> he, he, he sees it. We actually had a sermon here. Um, I just switched to this church recently cause I was sick of the liberalness of the other one I was at for a long time. I was there for 10 years. I couldn't take it anymore. So yeah. I switched to where my son goes to school, hit the church there. It's a brand new church. It's beautiful. And, um, the second sermon I sat through, uh, the, the, uh, the other priest was speaking on, on the cabal and the new world order and what's happening. Oh, that's amazing. I, I literally was sitting there, you know, kind of like, you know, you're in church, so you're, you're listening, but you're just kind of like sitting there, like half listening, I, I guess, you know, I did. And when I heard, I heard cabal and I literally sat up, <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
worked up like a like a German Shepherd, you know. And um and and Bella would look at me. And she's like, oh my goodness, you know. And I, I, know, I, we I found knew the we one. Came, we found the one. Yeah, <laughs> to the right one. And I and I actually wore a Let's Go Brandon shirt on accident to drop my son off. <laughs> so <laughs> I walked up to school. And I had my book that we just wrote called Saving America, the yeah. one we just wrote. And I wanted to give Father Klein my book. And so I walked over to him. It's the first time I really introduced myself to him. And he said, hey, I love your shirt. I love your shirt. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> and perfect. I was like, I know I'm in the right spot. And he was like, hey, it's true. You know, they can get mad, but it's true. And uh, so I knew I was with the right, the right, the right Catholic church. Because there are, like anything, you you know you have certain things that get corrupted, but there's still a lot of good with it. Yeah. It's just you gotta get rid of, yeah. rid of the corrupt. And unfortunately, oh, yeah. the top, the tip of the Catholic Church is corrupted. Yeah. And uh, but there's a lot of great. And I don't think people realize that it's not the faith. They have tried to mm-hmm. corrupt the faith after like after you know post Vatican II. So I'm mm-hmm. traditional mm-hmm. Roman Catholic and pre Vatican yeah. II modernism, and I don't think people know these things. And yeah, it's very corrupt. And there are liberal priests and it's hard now to find, you know, a proper church that follows the traditional rights and, you know, Christianity. So, I mean, God bless you for finding one. I'm having a hard time here in Vegas finding one. (laughs) I got lucky lucky for sure. You know, it's uh, nothing was more frustrating than listening to some of the liberal nonsense at the other church, you know, talking about. Every time, especially during COVID, I literally had to pull my hair out. And oh, the yeah. people that we oh, yeah. sat in the same spot, so the people that were around me knew, kind of, we talked and they knew who I was and they knew, you know, what I stood for. And they were always looking at me like, oh, Josh, is, he's about to stand up and say something. <laughs> he's right in the middle of church. <laughs> They're talking about, if you need the vaccine, it's for free. You can go over here to uh, whatever hall over here and we'll do it for free. And I'm like, are you out of your mind? Mm. Right. You know, I'm like, against our entire religion, uh, too, to, to take this vaccine. Yeah, exactly. And people. Yeah. Like are not using their logic either. Oh well, the Pope said so. It doesn't matter. Doesn't the matter. Pope, it does not matter what the Pope says. If he's wrong, you have to call it out. You are supposed mm-hmm. to follow the actual law of you know mm-hmm. your, your religion and the natural law. Yeah, it's just yeah. you know people are yeah. being led in every direction from government to you know infiltrated institutions and you know religion. Oh, yeah, and, all the way uh, through the churches. Yep. Josh, last thing I want to touch with you on is probably the most currentest event and probably what is helping this cannot stop red wave coming in the midterm elections. A perfect example of it happened yesterday in Washington, D.C. when we saw the continuing resolution passed, which included vaccine mandate uh, funding and money for compiling a vaccine database, which essentially, at the end of the day, top Republican, and I'm air quoting, leadership whipped and folded to pass another thing for Joe Biden. And it's just absolutely embarrassing. Well, that it, keeps you from actually having to show your papers. That's true. But it, but at the same time, I think we need to talk about just about how embarrassing that is and mm-hmm. what one of the biggest difference. I mean, there are a lot of great America First candidates coming with you. I mean, we've had you on, Sabatini, Joe Kent, Steve Cara. We're going to have Mike Collins on. You know, the list of these people who are super strong and super verbal and look like they're really going to go in there and roll up their sleeves and get dirty. I mean, I'm looking at you right now. You look like a less beardly Ian Smith. You're enormous and extremely fit. Hey, I, I got I to... Gotta, um... You know, I I know Ian, and uh, oh, he's and, one of our um, great he friends. Cannot lift me. <laughs> he he, he can't. cannot lift. Me. No, oh, perfect. <laughs> he can't lift you. 
I see a future oh, wow. show with a, uh, a liftoff. No, no, he, no, he's he's strong, but he he I, I would beat him. Oh, so, we're all we're I've all seen his numbers. We're all going to be in Phoenix in January. I think we might have to have a liftoff. Going to have a push yeah. off. Yeah, there we go. Come on in. Perfect. Oh, that's going to be. <laughs> yeah, awesome. he's a good guy for this. I, I really like. <laughs> I like him. Business partner in California, Lou is Louis Yerdell. Yep. And um and uh, Lou Lou decided you know, they have a turning point now and uh and so yeah so th- those guys are great. Yeah, I chat with Ian almost every day. But, but what do you think about this? Yeah, you know, stopping, like, if there was all of these America First candidates that are running in the midterms in the House of Representatives right now and just maybe one or two more in the Senate, this thing would have been crushed. Joe Biden would be powerless to do any of the stuff he's doing. Talk about the importance of, like, how bad the leadership in Washington, D.C. is right now and how important it's going to be for not only you guys to get in there, but really get on some committees and get your hands dirty when you get in there in uh, January of next year. Yeah, no, the, 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 vac- the Vaccination Modernization Act uh, that passed yesterday is um, my opponent, David Schweiker, is the one that he voted yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, you know, it didn't surprise me at all. Uh, it, he, he's, he's, I call him, he's that guy in the Republican <laughs> Party. And, and uh, you know, it's, 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 it, it, that's the exact reason why, I, you know, amongst others, why I needed, why I had to run. You know, why I told myself I had to run. I had to step up and do something because it's people like him voting the way he's voting that is destroying our country. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and people like Sabatini, Kent, um, you know, various people across the country that are America first, no BS type people mm-hmm. um, is what we need in office. And when we have enough of this, I, I really feel we could get a super majority. I do too. And, 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 and I think that's going to happen. I believe it will. And I think when we do, um, I always, I would tell the Democrats it'd be hell to pay. If I get in there, there's gonna be hell to pay because I, I'm not, I'm not going to be accepting. I'm not going to embrace them. I'm not going to even have conversations with them, to be honest with you, because I don't conversate with the enemy. And they're, they're to me, the enemy, the people they are, they're anti-American, the stuff they're bringing to the table is destroying our country, mm-hmm. uh, from inside out economically. I mean, n- open borders. I mean, na- name what they're trying to do. That's actually good. And, and, um, you know, when we get on committees, as far as I'm concerned, I, I don't, I don't even think they need to be in the room. You know, you need to let the adults fix it, <laughs> the, everything that you broke, let us fix it. After we fix it, then we can, we can come talk. We can maybe compromise on a few things, but until then, you know, you've earned, you've earned the right not to be in the room with your ridiculous policies and what you've done to our country. I mean, it, it's, it's crazy. You got ships sitting off, off, off our coast, stocked and loaded. Uh, you know, with this supply chain or supply chain crisis, we have five dollar gas yep. or four, five, six, seven dollar gas, and and it's all direct directly because of the Brandon administration and yeah. everything they're doing. Uh, you know, you have Buttigieg who won't even he wasn't even working. He, he's on maternal leave. You know, and <laughs> and, uh, and it, it's just it's unbelievable, man. You know, it, when you have a job that important, why are you adopting right right away? To be honest with you, you know you're going to get the job. Why would you adopt at that time? Uh, it's not like it was an accidental pregnancy. True story. You know, he, this, this, this was planned, you know? And, and if you're going to take a job that big and then think you're going to take a couple months off, it's, it's just crazy, you know? But that, that's what we're dealing with. That, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's just it's what we're dealing with at this time. But I, I, I really, you know, my mindset and my, my, my outlook going into it is exactly what I said. I, I really, I don't want to hear a word from them. Good. You know, we're going to get in there. We'll get like me, Joe Kent, uh, Sabatini, Gozar, Biggs, yeah. Jordan, you know, Matt Gates, uh, uh, Bobert, uh, uh, 
Green Taylor, you know, all of us. Let's us get together and fix this and tell the Democrats, I think we should decommittee every Democrat we possibly can. Oh, yes. Because look what they're, oh, look what they're doing to us. So I, we need to hit them. I, I don't. I fight fair, but I fight hard, just like when I play football. I'm going to knock you out, but I'm not going to illegally hit you, but I'm going to knock you out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and the same thing, the same thing I want to treat it with them. You know, Omar, you want to act like that. You know, AOC, you want to act like that. Guess what? You're not on a committee. Because you're both anti-Semites. How's that? Yeah, perfect. You know, and you know, and, and, and I'm I'm just not I'm not here to be nice. I'm not here to play to play games, and I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to accomplish something for the American people and to get our country back on track. And that's all I care about. And that's what we like to hear because you know I think it's time that our side see we that's what we need now. Like it's like enough of you know being all cordial and nice. You know the the left does not give a shit at all no and they just walk no. all over Absolutely. us Absolutely, they've, they've been punching us and punching mm-hmm. us and punching us i think now when things change if they punch we punch back 20 times harder and let them know that we mean business and th- this exactly. shit is done like it's over mm-hmm. hey just Im- just imagine mm-hmm. josh and and teddy daniels trying to walk down the same hallway <laughs> of the house of oh my god <laughs> it's gonna be a sight to see i tell you that much it's gonna be so, epic yeah it's gonna be really epic um Josh, we're going to link your congressional website. We're going to link your book. But why don't you tell our listening audience where your uh, social medias are so they could follow you? Because I'm not going to lie. The best Gosar is base Gosar. Everybody knows that from Arizona. Um, he's a self-proprietor of that. However, you've got quite a spicy Twitter. You might be giving him a run for the money next year in the in the House of Representatives. But I guarantee after you guys get that supermajority, you won't be getting removed from any committees. Yeah, I, 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 I was telling Kasha Gozar and his chief of staff that don't worry about being uh, kicked off a committee or anything like that. Next next year, 2022, we're going to have you be the chair of the committee. Oof. See how they like that. <laughs> Got him. You know? Hopefully, I, you guys will open all I'm the committees with memes. Yeah, open up all the committees I'm with memes. Oh, it's going to be great. Yeah, why don't you tell our, yeah. our listeners about where we could find you on social media? Sure. Uh, Barnett for AZ.com uh, is Barnett for AZ on Twitter and Instagram. Josh Barnett for Congress on Facebook, and I believe I'm Barnett for Congress on Telegram. Yeah. So um, I'm on. I'm trying to be out there as much as I can. I think Getter too. I'm on Getter. Um, it's it's hard to keep up with everything, and I got a team helping me now uh, keep track of everything. But uh, it's uh, we're we're moving full speed ahead. You know that's why we keep asking. Hey, I need money. We need donations, and and it's the one thing that I'm terrible about asking for because I believe you should work for your money. But um, in this case, you know, it takes it takes a lot of money to do this and to do it right to win. And um, when you're going against an incumbent that's been there for you know a decade, you know, it, it makes it very difficult uh, financially because he's already kind of set in stone. But um, there's a lot of people I found that aren't real happy with um, with his um, the results he's got in the last ten years, which is virtually nothing. Yeah, you're you're, so, you're, you're going to be doing some great things and. You don't have to worry about our listenership. We have America First candidates on this show because we have an America First listenership. And they it doesn't even matter about the state. I get messages in our social media all the time. Hey, you had that guy on from Michigan. Hey, you had that guy on from Tennessee. I really liked what he had to say. He was, you know, against human trafficking or he was, you know, for stopping the administration from doing this. Once they get into the House or Senate, I sent him 100 bucks, or I nice. bought his book or I bought some merch. And, you know, it's one of those things where any way where we could support you, you'll see people from our listenership volunteering to knock on doors pretty soon i can assure you that yeah, yeah. josh can i ask you one question yeah. before we let you go yeah. where can yeah. i get the books or you know the book is actually, um it was um the publisher originally has it on amazon 
and it's a Kindle version and then the soft, uh, paperback version, the hardcover version is going to come out later and maybe even an Audible version. But right now the paperback and the Kindle is available on Amazon. And right now we're number one in the constitutional law, yep. human rights, and um, I forget the other category. <laughs> but three different categories are still number one. So um, What's the book so called again? Cool, you know, it's pretty cool because uh, it's called Saving America, How a Gym Owner and a Guy from the Ghetto Helped Save Our Republic. Nice. Awesome. Good read. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab them all. I'm a, I'm a book uh, worm. So. Hey, Antoinette, you know, you probably could hit the live <laughs> link in our show description later. It's a, <laughs> yeah, it's an, it's oh, an easy read, you know. Sure. <laughs> Okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah, we'll get that all squared away. Josh, Barnett, Arizona 6, America First Candidate, thank you for joining us on Steak for Breakfast today. Hey, thank you for having me. Have a good day. Our pleasure. Well, it's pretty safe to say that Josh Barnett is pretty awesome. Yeah. And great he, guy. He seems like a great guy. He is a big, beastly Hulkling man. Hey, I want to see this Ian Smith <laughs> and... Uh, we're going to make that happen. As soon as we're done with the show today, I'm going to message Ian Smith, and I'm going to say we had Josh Barnett today on. I'm going to parking lot liftoff. Yeah, he, he said you were awesome. I'm going to see what Ian says, and then he says, he says you don't even come close to how much he can lift. Because <laughs> I saw, I saw Ian. He, Ian was doing 315 incline bench for reps the other day. It wasn't even trying. Oof. So oh. I can only imagine. But yeah. How tall is Ian? Is he really tall? He's over six feet tall. He looks like he's seven feet tall, but yeah. <laughs> Consequently, yeah, you never know though on video because video makes people look bigger too. Like, oh no, he, he's as advertised. It's definitely not the camera angle. Um, oh, consequently, though, we will see somebody seven feet tall in Phoenix in January, and also on the twenty eighth when Seth Keschel circles back the real seven oh, foot tall. Man. Is he really that tall? Yeah, he's like six ten. No way. Yep. And he talked about it last time. He said he'd love to see somebody who doesn't agree with his election stuff come at him because he what did he say? <laughs> they better bring a lunch, <laughs> bring, a, bring a ladder. <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, I, I do want to start jumping into the news because we, we do have some stuff that was pretty important happen over the last 24 hours. And that is, unfortunately, the passing of the continuing resolution that funds the government now through February. <gasps> yes, football kicked down the field, goalposts moved mm -hmm. again, and Republicans have failed on every level. Mm. So, it, it, yeah, no, not surprised at all. Um, you, you see where the lobbyist money is coming from. It's being exposed more. You're seeing who's really Trump era policy and America first agenda stick out and become more vocal and verbal. And the ones who may have not had a voice just as, you know, as long as a year ago. And even when Trump was in office because they didn't need to, um, right. are now really expressing the things like it, it's kind of who you work for. And it's gotten so bad that afterwards, um, you know, and we're going to wrap the whole thing for you, you know, our listeners right now. But but afterwards, Joe Manchin says there's been rumors that he's had it, but now he's come out and said he's had it. Yeah, That's big. And said he will jump on a Republican sponsored bill to end this covid you know, mandate and vaccine tracking system. And, and the thing is, if Joe Manchin comes over to the other side of the aisle in even in just name and mm -hmm. body, it allows the Senate to not only debate it, but create a bill and give it to Joe Biden and see what happens from there. Is there a version of the, the rhino for Democrats? Is there... I know. I'm, I like was a, thinking like a dingo or something. Oh, I mean, I, I guess you would call it the mansion because <laughs> because he's always been that thorn in the sides. Like yeah. he's a moderate lib. Kind of hawkish, but that but that particular 
action isn't common from their side. There's nobody no. that's like faking oh, not it. To, but but then again, you don't see people um, from their side of the aisle riding on the hood of his Maserati or kayaking to his houseboat to tell him how much he sucks. You know, it's it's they don't do that to AOC's house <laughs> and Nancy Pelosi's <laughs> You'll house. Probably get shot if you tried it there. Well, that guy did take a shit in Nancy Pelosi's driveway. Oh my God, good for yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Speaking of which. The the sister of the Grim Reaper herself oh, good. Uh, started off yesterday by by talking about how ludicrous it was to try and stop this continuing resolution, which would essentially have shut down the government, from passing over vaccine stuff. Let's should have been, should let's, have been let's, shut down. Yeah, let's listen to her to try and be coherent. Public that they're shutting down government because they don't want people to get vaccinated. Why don't you go ask them? This is so silly. Oh. This is so silly that we have people who are anti-science, anti-vaccination, saying they're going to shut down government over that, and you're asking me what's our message. Our message is that we have to respect governance, and we have to respect science. What about people's rights? How about respect that? And that's what we that? are doing, and we will pass this legislation. It's pretty funny that Josh Barnett just touched on the fact that this is the narrative that the people in the Beltway trumpet now. Like, you have to respect us. Like, no, lady, we elected, well, fraudulently elected yeah, you. You work for us. Yeah. And, like, however you got there, you still fucking work for us. And it's one of those things where you know, this is her swan song. And she doesn't want, she knows this no. entire administration is a complete and More utter buzzard song failure. And she doesn't want to go out on the worst note ever. Um, you know, and right. it's one of those things that anything that she could put her name on as, air quoting now, passed. She's going to take as a win and lock it up in the columns. She's not taking the blame for Afghanistan, even though her and General Milley worked directly behind the scenes to essentially run a coup against the sitting president of the United States. And and hopefully next year, when there is a majority in the House and Senate, they do have some um, you know hearings and they do get to the bottom of that if he's still there. She won't be. Um, some of the Republicans took to the floor before the vote and, and really put it all out there. And, you know, she says it's about shutting down the government. This is coming from the same lady who shut down the government over a wall. Over a wall. And, and look at how much that helped because it's a fucking disaster on the southern border now. So uh, mission accomplished, Nancy. How big are the walls around her place? They're bigly. Especially yeah. after the guy took the shit in her driveway last year. Uh, Senator Mike Lee talked about not wanting to shut down the government, but how crazy it was that they've gotten to that point because of the stuff that's going on, especially with the vaccine crap. Let's hear what he had to say when he took the floor yesterday afternoon. On November 3rd, a group of senators, 15 of us in fact, declared our intentions, sending this letter to Senator Schumer. And in this letter, we made very clear that we, quote, will not support and will use all means at our disposal to oppose legislation to, that funds or in any way allows the enforcement of Pre President Biden's employer vaccine mandate. Mm. I don't want to shut down the government. The only thing I want to shut down is Congress funding enforcement of an immoral, unconstitutional vaccine mandate. I don't think there's too much wrong with his narrative there. No. Um, he, he did it the nice way. Uh, someone who is again, mentioned by Josh Barnett when he was just on with us, was Marjorie Taylor Greene, who took to the House floor and gave a little bit more of an impassioned speech, uh, talking about how absolutely fucking crazy this whole continuing resolution even is, 
because the political capital coming from the Oval Office right now is at negative percent, especially after the jobs numbers that came out today. And we're going to get to that in a bit, but we're sticking to this right now. Let's hear MTG as she took to the floor and, and kind of broke it down. Thank you, Madam Speaker. I rise in opposition to the CR. The American people are $29 trillion in debt. Thanks to Congress. <laughs> and this Congress wants to borrow more money and more time to figure out how to run the government and how to pay for it. That is, that is an outrage to the American people. You want to talk about courage and responsibility? Do you know what courage and responsibility is? It's, it's learning how to manage the people's money. The people work hard every single day. They have to pay the taxes, and then they have to trust this House, this body, and the Senate to create a budget. But every single time, it's a budget that puts them further and further in debt. It is an audacity, the audacity of Congress to borrow more money and not be able to come up with a budget that makes sense and that we can pay for? What an outrage. What an irresponsibility. Mm. That isn't courage. That is not responsibility. That is out-of-control behavior that this Congress needs to rein in. This government should be shut down. You want to know why it should be shut down? Because the people in here, the people in here cannot control themselves. The people in here don't understand how to balance a checkbook. And the people in here do not deserve, deserve the responsibility on how to spend the American people's money. $29 trillion, $29 trillion, Madam Speaker. Shut General it down. Lady's time is expired. Mm. Do not pass the CR. Shut it down. You know, she's so beat up. You know, she's had a really long year. And, yeah. and besides not really owning in on the election stuff in her state, which would be a slam dunk for her, I don't know if it's like something that doesn't really resonate with her constituency in her exact part of Georgia, which I believe is like northeast Georgia. It's not really the Atlanta area and where a lot of the fraud stuff goes on. But, you know, besides really – she talks about it sometimes, but you, you'd figure someone is, as based as she – on all the, I mean, she goes out there and, you know, she talks shit about the guy who slept with Fang Fang. She talks shit. She says, you know, her and, her and Bobert say that Hunter Biden smokes Parmesan cheese on the House floor and, and you know, all this other crap. And, and, and but besides that, she's she's really held the line in the House of Representatives of someone who wants to uphold Trump era policies. And, yeah, and a lot uh, of people give her shit about, you know, not talking as much about, you know, election integrity in 2020, but she has talked about it. So people yeah. say she's, busy. she has, but I think she's focusing on other stuff or, I mean, there could be another reason why I don't know, but I, I honestly think she's just focusing on a lot of other things and every, there, there are a lot of people focusing on the 2020 right now. And maybe that's what she's prioritizing. She's not prioritizing that, but the other things that she's working on currently, I mean, I don't know. I can tell you what, though. She's going to have a whole hell of a lot more help next year. And it's going to be glorious to really see her flourish, not only in the in just the House, but on the committees, which I think are almost equally important. We're going to be getting to the bottom of a, a lot more things than the stuff that went on in the 2020 presidential election when she's doing some of the investigations that are going to take place after they take a big majority in the House of Representatives next year. And that's just that's just my opinion. I agree. Yeah. So we, we did get... 
the finality of it and, and by now, which is it's Friday, we know that the continuing resolution is passed and, and currently sits on Joe Biden's desk waiting for a signature, which would fund the government, um, you know, past business hours today when it would end. And no surprise, Chuck Schumer came out to gloat on the House floor about it and talked about the backroom deal he made with, of course, Mitch McConnell. Mm-hmm. Let, let, let's hear about it before they took the vote and, and wound up passing it. I'm happy to say that last night I reached an agreement with Leader McConnell. Of course you did. The Speaker and the Chair of the House Appropriations Committee and the Senate Appropriations Committee on a continuing resolution that will keep the federal government funded through mid-February of next year. This is a good compromise that allows an appropriate amount of time for both parties in both chambers to finish negotiations on appropriations. I'm happy to say... Now, you know, it's pretty interesting to hear that yesterday, or at least this week, there was an announcement made saying that the administration was going to kick enforcing the vaccine mandates for all federal workers who were mandated to get them down the road to February because of the bad press they were starting to garner when nothing really else is going right for them right now. You mean that's not a good Christmas present to get fired? No, about essentially firing half of the federal workforce, including the military and all the special forces people, you know, just in time for Christmas. Uh, it's pretty interesting for them though. It's like, I mean, no, it is good for them, but I think it's kind of interesting that this date now for people getting fired is now exactly when we're going to have another CR to be passed. And let's hope that some of the passion that we saw from at least the people who are holding the line in the Republican party right now up there on Capitol Hill, try to formulate something. I think a lot of them are trying to stall. Like I said, there's going to be that standalone bill that Joe Manchin said he's in. And we'll see what happens if that gains any steam. I also think they're hoping that courts are going to slow this down and make it seem so unconstitutional that we can get it to the midterms. And then at that point, you know, the Senate will just crush it. Uh, but, but we'll have to wait and see. You know, there's always it doesn't just happen for a reason. But but I do think it, it kind of is lame the way that they've just kind of, you know, not address the issue and really stood up when, even though they don't have a majority, they have a power to do a lot more stalling than they're doing now. Right. You know, it's always easier to get like one Democrat, two Democrats, and it is 19 Republicans in the house, 13 Republicans in the Senate every fucking time. And, uh, you know, I can't wait for all those never Trumpers never running again and and retiring people to be the hell out of there after this upcoming election. And it's going to be, it's going to be major house cleaning. Yeah. I don't know if you guys saw, Donald Trump made a virtual trip across the pond. Nice. And sat down with Mr. Brexit himself, not Raheem Kassam, his former boss, Nigel Farage this week. Oh, I didn't see that. And they had a little bit of a heart. (laughs) They are great friends, and they had an extremely lively conversation. Uh, It's now Trump's, in the last two weeks, fifth major one-on-one interview. And and we do want to cover some of the highlights from there. Um, because, you know, it's just important. We have to take into account a lot of the topics, the talking points, and the narrative is not only things that are going to be important in the midterms, but they're also ones that are sticking to things that are probably developing now behind the scenes, and he wouldn't be talking about them unless he knows stuff about them. Right. Um, the first one is talking about cheating. Mm. Yeah, we, we love that one. Let's hear that in the first clip we're going to play for you guys from Trump and Farage. 
Americans. As you rightly say, a lot of Americans are genuinely concerned about election integrity. And I have to tell you, from my experience back in the UK, mass postal voting you know, leads to the wrong results very mm -hmm. often. Absolutely. Automatically, by the way. It's a bad system. They cheat. It's, it's a automatic. Bad I mean, they put everybody on the millions of people on the honor system. No, there's tremendous cheating with that. And, you know, they've done uh, studies on it. Everybody knows it. Every study comes out, you can't do it through the mail. You can't do it. These mail-in ballots are, whether it's your country, whether yeah. it's the USA, it's, uh, it's here's an the open invitation to cheat. Mm -hmm. No lies detected there. Mm -mm. They would continue to uh, develop it and not only talk about the cheating, but one of the methods they used, our favorite, not mail-ins. COVID. Mm. And, and it definitely seems like that's something that Trump's sticking to, and, and, and he developed a little bit more in the second clip. The first time ever in America, tens of millions of ballots being sent out yep. through the mail system. And well, they use COVID, or the China virus, as I call it, uh, to rob and rig and Noah? steal an election. And they sent out millions and millions of ballots. Nobody knows where they went in so many cases, and it was a disgrace. And everybody knows it. You look at even polls now, a big percentage of our country knows it. And it's very bad for democracy. Very, very bad. For I like it. You got the, what did you get? You got rigged and stolen, China virus. It's a disgrace. You got so many of his yeah. four or five years of sound bites in a 33-second clip the election was rigged and stolen it was a disgraceful election can't beat it so you <laughs> know it fails it, it's one of those things uh he's going to continue to stay on that narrative uh just like he sticks on the next one and that's going to be talking about what's going on at the southwest border elected in 2016 because of the border and other things and in 2020 I didn't talk about the border. You know why? Because I did such a good job, it was no longer an issue. No lies detected. But yep. still, I got many more votes. So, you know, I guess it wasn't as important. Now it's the biggest issue again. Yeah. But now it's worse than it ever was in the history of our country. Mm -hmm. We never had a problem like we have now with the border. I did the best job. We had the best border situation in the history of our country, just like I created the best economy in the history of our country. But we had the best border. And now we have, a year later, the worst border. Millions of people are coming in unvetted, unchecked. It's a disgrace what's happened. It's a very big issue. It's a huge issue. And uh, one that he keeps circling back to, I think that he's trying to tie this whole narrative into, you know, nonchalantly into the COVID narrative. And uh, he, he really can't talk about the vaccine mandates because he pushed for it so hard for the, the elderly yeah. and the health incurred in the beginning that this is where we're at, you know, that wise. So it was kind of one of those things where I, I think he tries to frame it in that way and he uses the unscreen, the unvetting. He has talked about like some of the health risks as well. Um, and, and, you know, you just have to kind of take it for what it is. He's trying to, to get that message point across. It, it's, it's, it's pretty weird. You know, one of the things Nigel asked him about was where he thought the U S was now. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's kind of interesting because Trump talks about the administration, and, and when, but when he talks about the country, he likes to talk about the comeback, the bring back, and the resilience that we've talked about with some of our other guests on the show over the last couple of weeks. Let's hear him talk about how where he thinks we're at now, but prospectively where he thinks it's going in the future.
But Biden, G7, Biden turns up at the G7. And this Shits was before pants. he let everybody down in <laughs> Afghanistan, and, and, and which, which leaves us wondering, where is America in the world now? I mean, we've got big threats, haven't we? We've got a lot of Russian troops on the Ukrainian border. Yep, we've not got China, a lot. Uh, ever more bellicose in their statements about Taiwan. Not talked we've got about Iran. A lot. I mean, can you believe it? Negotiations are going on this week Palace of cash. with Iran and the, Israel- and, and the Israelis are very, very scared. Where is America in the world right now? I think it's at the lowest point it's ever been at. I don't think it's ever been in a position like this. We're not respected anymore. I will tell you, there were no planes flying over Taiwan. And the, the name wasn't even mentioned. You didn't talk about Taiwan when I was president. It wasn't going to happen, what they're doing now. And they'll wait till after the Olympics, I assume. And perhaps something will happen. But it's not good if you're there and you have bombers flying over your, your country constantly, which is constant. Uh, with Russia, we had no problem. I had no problem with, you didn't mention North Korea, Kim Jong-un. No, no, when you crossed the line and you... you, you I, I got along with him, great. I got along with him almost as well as a... Little rocket man, him. you called it. Yes, he I did, Abdul. and we became very friendly, like did you, he, sort of like you. He forgave, he forgave you. But you know, the truth, we, we didn't have a problem, and now you've got a problem with them, too. You didn't mention that one, and, and yep. honestly, that's a big problem, because he does have serious nuclear power. And uh, and many other things. Uh, if you take a look at energy independence, we're energy independent, mm. first time ever. And now we are going and begging for oil. We're going back begging for oil. We go to Saudi Arabia. We go to Russia. OPEC would go and say, please give us oil. We had so much oil, we didn't know what to do with it. A gallon of gasoline was 187 when I left. Now it's going to be $7.50 in California. Yeah. And no, the no, no, big no. thing is going to be inflation because the inflation, and it's hitting you too. It hits yeah, everybody yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. But the inflation is at a level maybe that we've, we haven't seen for, I guess, 40, 50 years. 40 years. So, I mean, you know, I, I, I was a little disappointed because when he was talking about other world leaders, he lobbed him the beach ball. Trump wound up. He said, yeah, you forgot about my relationship with, and then Nigel cut him off. He was about to drop the Abdul. Abdul. And then he segued away from it. And, and it, was, it was really unfortunate because, you know, we love hearing how many times he's going to say that guy's name uh, in, in the sentence or two. They wrapped the interview up, and, and, and in this exclusive for, for the Great Britain News, Nigel pushed him a little bit on running. Now, everybody knows campaign finance laws. The clock starts ticking. You got to start paying taxes as soon as you officially throw your name in the ring. But Trump gave a little bit more insight to his answer than I think you'll just be pleased. So let's kind of hear how they wrap this interview up with a little preview of what's to come. At Mar-a-Lago, magnificent place. You've got your family around you. You had... So many great things you've done in your life, you know, business, real estate, television. You've been the 45th president of the United States. And yet from day one, they made your life hell. The Russia hoax, a whole load of conspiracies, untruths. You know, I saw you during some of that going through it. They put you through impeachments, uh, mainstream media. Two fake impeachments, Russia, 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 which now turned out to be a total hoax. And everybody knows it. And they should take away the Pulitzer Prizes from writers that knowingly, in most cases, were writing about fiction. It was pure fiction. Yeah. Turned out that- And Hunter Biden can do what he likes and no one cares. And we know all that. 
why would a man who's got all the things that you've got... Maybe your best question. Why would a man who's got all the things you've he got... He knows good Great questions. family, wonderful life, you're fit, you're looking fit. Why on earth would he consider going back into that hell again? So I love our country. Mm. I brought the country to a level it's never seen before. Then we had COVID come in, and then I brought it back, came up with vaccines that you're using, we're all using, the world is using, saved tens of millions of people throughout the world. In less than nine months, it was supposed to take 12 years. Just heard the other day, they were expecting it to take 12 years, and everyone said it wasn't going to work, and they work incredibly well. We've done an amazing job. Mm. If you love the country, you have no choice. It's not a question, it's just this is a wonderful, beautiful life. But I like that, too, because I was helping people. That's why I did it. And uh, I think you'll be happy in the future, too, because that'll be your next question. But you'll be happy in the future. Well, I, I know you can't answer that question because it would start the campaign clock ticking. Right. But we've got the midterms coming up in less than a year. Are you going to be out on the campaign? Yes, trial? I will. I'll be helping a lot of people. We've been endorsing candidates. I'm we 152 and two. <laughs> My endorsement, 152 wins yep. and two losses. Okay. And those two losses were actually by people that were... Those are Hall of Fame numbers. People that won were more Trump than I was, okay? So they won. <laughs> but what happened is, uh, every, what's happening is everybody wants the endorsement has become very important. The most important and the most powerful endorsement that our country has seen. And so I have an obligation to make sure the right people get in. And we have many, many people online. Actually, when I leave here... Right now, yep. I've got four candidates that want an endorsement. Mm. It's a very important job because we're going to have a big, I think we're going to have a very big 22, and I think we're going to have Huge. an even bigger 24. Well, that kind of wrapped it up right there. What yeah. do you guys think? Noah wasn't pleased with the vaccine stuff, but we got to remember, yeah. let's circle back to the original narrative. We did have Ground Zero on the show just a few weeks ago, Dr. Peter Navarro, he mm -hmm. talked about it briefly with us, but then elaborated on War Room the same exact day. Those vaccines were originally developed and only meant for elderly people with medical right. conditions who were fat and inclined. I mean, that's literally what he said on War Room. Right. And, and, and he and said kids should not be getting or don't need it. Did he say at one point they shouldn't get it? Peter Navarro has hosted War Room by himself when Bannon's been out and had Dr. Malone on just for the entire show as his only guest. And they have literally broke this down. Like, yeah, that was a good show. This vaccine, and that's why Donald Trump, we say it over and over again, he cannot demonize this vaccine. He talks negatively about the mandates. He talks no, I negatively. That. I was saying, is did Trump, Trump has mentioned not, the kids should not be taking these vaccines, but not in that way. He's basically, he's said it. In the so yeah, many he said words. the kids don't need it. They're, they're healthy and strong. Exactly. Um, but but it's one of those things where people always try to tie him as like a vaccine salesman. The current government has demonized and done with this vaccine after overspending and, and creating so much bulk of this stuff and shipping it all over the world. They don't know what to fucking do with it. Mm -hmm. and, and now they're just trying to get rid of all the money they wasted on it, forced into the arms of the American people. That's the that's the fact of the matter. You Basically. know. Yeah, I don't understand the forcing because, like, it it's paid for already, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it's paid for, it's bought, the money's gone. Whoever's supposed to get it, got it. Whoever wasn't supposed to get it, got it. Like, it doesn't yeah, matter if you... Yeah, that's what I wonder. Like, if it's all already bought and paid for and it's for free, there is then there must be another incentive for them to take this shot. Spite. So, spite. You know? Yeah, it is and spite. that's a much you don't, more you don't nefarious want it, so I want you to incentive. Have it. Yep. <clears throat> And you're going to not want it, and I'm going to make you have it even harder. Mm. 
So <laughs> and, govern me harder, Daddy. And and we'll see right now. I mean, there's been some huge Hannity's whatever. Mark Levin, I think, is pretty big. Mike Lindell was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and Nigel, I think that, that was a really good. Those guys have a good chemistry together. They've they've known each other for a long time, and you know, Trump weighed in on Brexit the whole time that was going down, and I I, I really think they played well off of each other. You know, there's there's very few personalities that Donald Trump will literally let him cut him off and interject. And Nigel's one of them. But when he yeah. does, he usually asks a better question and gets a better answer out of it, like we saw in some of the ones there. He's not just going, Mr. President, Mr. President. Yep. Donald, 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 Donald. Hold Stop. Up. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We're heading into a heartbreak. I'm going to hold you over. <laughs> hey, for the record, Antoinette, I don't know if you saw, Robbie Starbuck was on War Room yesterday, so that's now seven People who have made their first appearance on Steak for Breakfast in less than two weeks have made it to War Room. Oh so, shit! Wow. Yeah, we did so we're becoming the most important. Second I think most we're important. Good luck, <laughs> no, like the we're we're the endorsement for War Room. We yeah, need to have basically. A, should we we need a War Room promo code now? Yeah. Or what? No, it's, it's, I think we're the farm team. That that's essentially what it comes down to. But but the fact of the matter is, we all do our research. We identify who these candidates are, and we reach out to them. We. Amanda Milius gave us a couple of sneakers. I've locked them both in. I'm not going to say their names yet. Wait, what? Stinkers? Sneakers. Oh, sneakers. sneakers. Why would she give us stinkers? Not the kind that screech on the floor, but the oh. kind that get on this show and will probably be on War Room within two weeks. You mean sleepers? Both. Ooh. Like sleepers is like a shitty looking fast car. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Very good. All right. Joining us next on the show today, he's currently the mayor of Orland Park in Illinois. He's decided to throw his name in the hat for Illinois 6 as an America First candidate. Mr. Keith Peacock, thanks for joining us today on this Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure, sir. So, Mr. Mayor, uh, you were talking to us offline right now. Let's get into it so our listenership can hear it. There's been some changes uh, due to redistricting in the uh, greater Chicago or part of Illinois where you're at and it's compelled you to I think you would call it an upgrade from mayor to the house of representatives let's talk about what uh made you want to make that change well as as I look at the districts and how they're redistricting uh the redistricting occurred in Illinois most of the seats are are not competitive but this one actually became more competitive okay and additionally I think uh, changing the Congress over and kicking Nancy Pelosi out of her job is going to uh, flow right through Congressional District 6. Sounds amazing. I've had pretty good success as mayor and thought I was a good candidate for this district. Well, that sounds absolutely compelling. Let's talk about uh, America First. It is a widely used statement, but we like to let our listenership really get to know there are so many different facets of the America First agenda. Chicago... Illinois, you know, it's a state that's got some issues going on, but there are some really hardworking people there trying to change the culture, make it safer, bring the economy back. What are some of the things right now in your state, especially your district, that you're focused on that makes you part of the America First Agenda team? Well, some of the things that are really important for this district and probably throughout the uh, the country is to grow is growing the economy and bringing back middle class jobs. It's mm-hmm. a huge issue in in our area. Major. You know, we have a lot of union, uh, a lot of union members, a lot of union jobs in this district, 
And uh, frankly, as, as everyone knows, Illinois has not been doing so well. And, you know, just as the country hasn't, particularly in the, in the last year. Uh, additionally, I'm going to work really hard to uh, keep taxes down. I have as mayor. Uh, you've probably heard about the property tax issues here in, uh, in Illinois oh, yeah. uh, for the village of Orland Park. For our taxing body, we've actually lowered the property tax rates 30% during my, my tenure. Nice. And then, you know, also fighting inflation. I keep hearing, in fact, I saw one of my Democratic opponents that are uh, matching up against one another. He went on a big uh, Twitter tirade about how inflation is not that bad and this is what causes it. And it's like, really? Well, tell that to people who are paying, uh, you know, $1.50 more per gallon at the pump. Or tell that to a small business who's paying that much more, and you know a small business might pay forty thousand more in fuel. Well, guess what? That's raises that aren't going to their employees. That's donations that aren't going to the the various charities that they were involved with. That's investment they're not making. And then lastly, as anyone who's been paying attention, probably nationally, uh, uh, public safety is a huge issue. Cook County just had over a thousand homicides for the first time yeah. since nineteen ninety four, and it's been an absolute disaster. Our police department has done a phenomenal job, but they are working at an extremely high operations tempo to get that done. But our crime here in Orland Park is at the lowest level it's been in 27 years. Oh, congratulations to you on hitting some of those numbers. We do love our candidates who, of course, back the blue and law enforcement just in general. Their jobs are so important. And it's been really difficult to be in that kind of a career for the last, I would say, a little bit half decade or more right now. And uh, it's good to hear that there's some America First candidates out there who are really supporting, especially the ones in, in, in your district and in your city. Um, we, we do have some pressing issues that, that just have taken place now. Uh, we had on Josh Burnett from Arizona today. You know, the things that affect, you know, you up in Chicago area and in Illinois don't really affect the same things that he does over in Scottsdale and Phoenix, like the border, necessarily uh, the, the mass human trafficking. I mean, Granted, it, it happens everywhere uh, with the illegal immigration. If they're not crossing the border into your state, they're flying them there. So, you know, do you think that when the House of Representatives takes back, hopefully a supermajority in the next midterms, jumping on something like the immigration reform or moratorium uh, moving forward? Absolutely. So, yeah, you know, I've lived in Arizona and I have family that's in Arizona, so I'm very familiar with the, the border issues. Mm -hmm. But it does have an impact here in Illinois because the, the criminals that come across the border, they make their way up to Chicago. The yeah. fentanyl that comes across the border, it makes its way up to Illinois. So it's you know, it definitely has an impact. And as I've said time and again, I think there are a lot of people that want to solve the immigration uh, uh, problem. I think a lot of those people are not sitting in politics right now. They continue to want to use it as a political issue. Yeah. It can be solved. The very first and foremost thing that you have to do to solve the immigration problem is to stop people from coming into the country illegally, coming across our borders and overstaying their visas. Mm -hmm. Once we put an end to all of that, then we can address those who have already been here, been here for 20 years, for 30 years, were brought here as children. We can address all of that, but you can't address any of that until you've stopped the flow in that's coming in. Yeah, it's really great to hear. It's it's something that doesn't matter where the candidates were, were interviewing coming from. We've had them from Michigan and, and Tennessee, Washington State, all the way down to Arizona and now Illinois, all kind of say the same things. And it's like you guys are, without even maybe knowing each other, all getting on the same page because it seems like it's a formula that's, Number one, pretty simple. Number two, would work. It makes sense. Yeah, it's just what people who have been in the Beltway for a long time just don't want to address because the media and the hard left will just demonize it, and that's not necessarily the case. You know, right. uh, illegal immigration in, in like 
as bad as it's been for the past, you know, at least year where, where we're well over 2 million people who have come into the country illegally and are just in the wind. It's really hurting the middle class. And then like you harped on, I think one of the biggest and most critical issues is the drug problem. It's not addressed the way it should be. And, and you know, it's coming in from Latin America. It's coming from China. It's making it across our southern border. And it's killing people all over the United States. And it's going everywhere. But yeah. he's definitely in one of the main oh, yeah. like, destination locations for sure. Yeah. It's it's overdoses. It's, uh, you know, it's the mental health problems that then address their problems with illegal narcotics. It's all of those things are wrapped into one and our police have to deal with it on a regular basis. And, you know, that puts a lot of pressure on your police when they're having to deal with with uh, people with drug issues and mental health issues. And, you know, they're they're trying to police and keep us safe. And they're they're finding themselves having to do so many different things and having to wear so many different hats. And it makes it extremely challenging for them. And potential exposure to that kind of stuff, too, if you're just going through your basic duties as an officer and you're searching a car and all of a sudden you got fentanyl on you. Mm. Not, Not a good call. Many of those um, those instances where they get in like contact they didn't even realize mm-hmm. and then they're passing out about to die and they need to get stuck with narcan or ugh, or if you don't get yeah. stuck with narcan you get stuck with death exactly which is which is probably worse um the, the next thing i want to touch on and it's going to segue into the topic after that is election integrity now regardless of what you felt about the 2020 presidential election or any of the senate or house seats how they turned out what people have done to kind of bring to light what happened or may not have happened. Uh, What's your stance on, on kind of maybe reforming the whole national election system? I know we have to respect states' rights, but when you had such big influences coming in from like, for instance, a name that comes up with a lot of the America First agenda candidates is Mark Zuckerberg, the $400 million he spent in trying to you know, pretty much influence elections in, in swing states throughout the country. It was prevalent in Wisconsin. It was prevalent in Georgia, definitely in Arizona, and, and something that a lot of these candidates want to look into. And then also the things like uh, not letting stuff like happen with COVID uh, happen again. Like we've we've now gotten to a point to where we're past the start of year two with COVID. We saw that although it's something that definitely needs to be respected in general and, and made, you know, take precaution towards it didn't need to have free for all mail in ballots sent to every single person in the United States, which was pretty much the case. Uh, what's your overall take on that? Well, so I think you hit it on the last point is that the, the mail in ballots that were sent out and the rules that were changed for COVID is what allows the opportunity for people to, um, uh, to uh, bend the rules, you know, harvest ballots, those types of things. I think we all, I don't know anyone that disagrees with this, and this is on either side of the aisle that I've talked to. One person, one vote. Yes. Now, here in Chicago, we know we have a long history. I mean, it swung an election in 1960, a presidential election yeah. uh, with with Daley and uh, um, President Kennedy. Yep. So we, there's a long history in Chicago of, of you know dead people voting. I mean, it's, a, it's almost a joke around here or <laughs> you know more votes than one. But it's one person, one vote. I think everyone would agree with that. And everyone wants to see people who are eligible, vote, eligible to vote to have access to voting. So everyone wants that. But what they don't want is people harvesting their votes, having ballots sent to them and then someone else filling it out. They want those individuals filling it out. And, you know, my thoughts on, you know, identification is I have to show an ID to deposit cash into my own bank account. If I have to want to deposit $50 in cash, I have to show an ID to put legal tender into my bank account. Why in the world would I not have to show an ID for um, you know, for a vote. I yeah. don't understand. And, and 
quite frankly, both sides of the aisle, the people, the everyday people, not the people that politicize this issue, the mainstream media, uh, you know, politicians who've been in office for 30 years, but the average person agrees with that, that you should have, if I have to show an ID to cash a check, to get a social security check, to get a welfare check, to do whatever I want to do um, in, in America, why would I not have to show it for uh, you know, for an election? Makes 100% sense. I remember the first time I voted as a kid and in California, you didn't have to show your ID and everything like that. And I was just like, you know, I didn't know anything about politics back then. I was just, you know, I was old enough to vote. I was doing my civic duty and you don't want to see my... Yeah, they scoffed at me when I said, you don't need that. As I listened to the people around me voting in person and saying there was like an elderly woman and then a younger man, both saying that one, I never got a mail-in ballot, and the other one said, I had it and I don't know where it is. And that's just an earshot of me when I went to vote. So who knows where these things went? Or, you know, if they already sent them in themselves and then went to throw another one on top of the pile, it's Mm -hmm. just you never can tell. And like you said, I, I think one person, one vote is an excellent way of looking at it. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, you know, I think that's what we want to see. We want our citizens to vote. It's our most important right. Yeah. But it's something citizens should do, not anybody but citizens. And we and I want everyone to have access to 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 voting. But go in and cast your ballot and do it one time. Agreed. That's, I think that's what we all want to see. Yep. Sticking kind of on the same narrative, but switching it to another topic, we'll, we'll stay with, you know, with the elections and COVID now you have like these vaccine mandates and, you know, and, and we're going to segue that into our last topic, which we want to talk about the continuing resolution, but just in regards to the mandates themselves and kind of what's going on with this whole, you know, it's affecting now businesses of a hundred plus, maybe it's, it's kind of getting mucked down in court, but at the same time, people in the military and in the federal workforce who aren't exempt and by exempt means have large unions that pay directly into the DNC, like at the Department of Justice and the White House staffers and the House of Representatives and in the Senate and all of their staffers, they don't have to get it. But all of the federal workforce and like, you know, the IRS and the Border Patrol and those people, they're all mandated to get it. What are, what are your feelings on that right now and how it's affecting a lot of those families who have been working? When you look at the numbers across the board, it's essentially, if you include the military, a little bit more than a third of the entire federal workforce could be affected to be fired just by these vaccine mandates. So so I have a, a pretty long history with this dating back to when COVID first started because I was mayor when that happened. Okay. Uh, and, the, and, you know, starting even with the lockdowns and, you know, here our governor closed parks. We didn't. He said, stay indoors. I said, you should be outdoors. He, he closed uh, small retail and said, Walmart and Costco can stay open. And like, so, cause you can get COVID apparently in a small store, but not in Walmart or Costco. <laughs> Uh, you know, we had my favorite is six people could drive in a car to the boat ramp, but only two of you could get on the boat. Hmm. I mean, well, it's a very smart senseless, disease, <laughs> senseless things we had. So then we had mandates. Um, we did in in Orland Park what I think everyone should do, whether it's Congress or the Illinois state legislature, state legislature, which they haven't done. We actually legislated and we said we we passed a resolution, said we will not enforce any of the governor's mandates. We won't enforce his vaccine mandates. We will not enforce mass mandates. We told our businesses that. We said, it's up to you. If you as a business want to say you have to be masked to come in, you absolutely have the right to do that. It's between you and your customer. And as far as your vaccine, it's between you and your doctor. We were able to source when the state would not provide us doses, we were able to source doses for our senior community. 
particularly the seniors that hadn't were unable to get to some of the state sites. Mm -hmm. So it's not that we don't believe that the vaccines help, but it's up to you and your doctor to make those decisions. When you talk about the military, I was in the military. I was forced to take the anthrax vaccine. I wasn't real thrilled about that. Um, And uh, I think for this, for a disease that has almost no impact for the people who are in the military because of their age group and their health, um, the, and everything that I've seen from the military side of things is the risk of the vaccine is as high as the risk of COVID for yeah. these individuals. Why would we be doing it? It should be up to them. Um, regarding the federal workforce, here's one of the problems people don't understand. A lot of the contractors, they're walking their workforce out the door. Yep. So they have 90% vaccine compliance, but 10% of their workforce is being walked out the door. Now, those are people responsible for our national defense related issues and they're being and they are being fired because they won't get a vaccine because they can't work on federal property that scares the hell out of me yeah. that that would that that would be happening and then you think about how much we put uh, how much our healthcare workers our our firefighters our police did putting their own butts on the line when we didn't know what covid was right and they were still out there every day now we're telling them that you're going to be fired if you don't get vaccinated. And here in Illinois, they put that mandate in. And we said the same thing. We did it. We have probably passed five times. We have passed resolutions saying we will not enforce your mandates. Every time they pass a new one, we say we won't enforce it. We will not force our police officers to get it. HIPAA laws, we can't even ask them to begin with. Right. So why does suddenly does HIPAA law, do HIPAA laws not apply? And here in the state of Illinois, they've actually passed uh, a a, uh, they basically passed a bill that amended it, another law that said that the Healthcare Conscience Act that applies in the state of Illinois doesn't apply to COVID. So they can do whatever they want with COVID, which means they can they can eventually force your child to get a vaccine. Yeah. And if he doesn't, he or she doesn't, then she's going to be there. They won't be allowed to get schooling. They won't be allowed to get education. So they put that exception in just for that. Wow. For nothing else. Mm. So there's no, you have a, the right to refuse, say, a smallpox vaccine, but not COVID. Yeah, that's just incredible. That the, uh, Listen, the boomerang that's going to eventually come around after these midterm elections is going to be one like we have never seen, yeah, I think, wild. in modern day politics. Um, because there are so many people who work in the Beltway in D.C., who have extended family members, everybody who works in D.C. is either a vet or their parents were vets or their siblings are vets or they work, you know, in the Border Patrol or they, or they you know, they've always worked in, in anything to do with the, the government is like just a big spider web for families. It's not like regular people just thought, like you you were a veteran, so you have a direct, you know, connection to the federal government. People just don't pop up out of anywhere usually and wind up in D.C. and just flourish for the rest of their lives. You know, there's always some kind of connection, even if it's to, like, lobby groups and stuff like that. And so many people are being directly affected by this. I think the boomerang effect is going to be pretty pretty darn epic. Um, Mayor Keith, last thing I wanted to touch base with you on, and I, I think this is really important. I want you to kind of touch on it from from your personal opinion. Uh, we talked with Josh Barnett about it, and, and I think to hear everybody's like convictions on this is, is definitely something genuine for our listenership. Um, we saw the continuing resolution passed yesterday, kind of embarrassing. It's like the same 17 to 19 people in the House of Representatives. They're either never Trumpers, they're rhinos, or they're retiring or not running for re-election. And then Mitch McConnell and his band of you know 13 people in the Senate jump ship to pass something for a president right now who has less than zero political capital. Um, How do you feel about that getting kicked down the road again, number one, when we could have stopped it? Although 
it's sad to see the government shut down, but but why it would have been shut down? I mean, we were just talking about it in our in our last segment of the news. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer shut the government down over the, the border wall, and the border wall never got finished because of the stuff that they did for four years. And look at the disaster that it's caused. The Senate Republicans and the House Republicans wanted to stop this CR from passing because of the vaccine mandates and the funding for the vaccine database, which you just talked about as being like ridiculously in violation of just about everybody's personal, you know, privacy laws and HIPAA and all the other stuff to see stuff like that. And, and how you would take, you know, your uh, view on changing it. What, what kind of a narrative can you give us on that? So uh, looking at, economics in general, we all have to live within a budget. You, right. All three of you do, I do, everyone we know does, the businesses we know do. We have to spend less than we take in, right? And um, there, and there is a potential use for debt that's good. We buy our house with debt, right? But we, we pay that off, but we're buying an actual asset. Mm-hmm. We don't use debt to pay for groceries, pay for our <laughs> utilities. If you do, you're going to be bankrupt at some point. That's what the federal government has done. Here at the local level in Orland Park, I walked into a situation where they'd been kicking the can down the road and, and it was kind of unbeknownst to anybody, really. I mean, we had, you know, $110 million of debt, but we're a very large town and, you know, 60,000 residents. So it wasn't necessarily un, an overly burdensome. It was about maybe 3% of our annual, of our annual budget. Um, so as far as the, the, uh, the paying it off, but when I walked in and saw that the projection was that we, you know, we want to keep a 25% operating reserve balancing for, you know, times of like COVID, mm-hmm. for example. And it was projected that in 2023, which was just six years down the road, that we would actually have eaten through all of our reserves and they were taking no actions to fix that. Mm. So in my first four years, we took $50 million of debt off the books, 52 to be exact, so almost half. Wow. We still doubled our investment in roads. We doubled our investment in parks. We trimmed 14% out of the operating budget. And I just had a budget meeting earlier this week. And next year, instead of having a a projected uh, um, operating reserve of 2%, it's actually well over 25%. And so much so that we're actually going to be able to take $12 million out, put it into capital projects, roads, parks, those types of things, and still have a 28% reserve. All because we made common sense decisions four years ago to not spend more than we make and to, and to clean up our operations. We've reduced our workforce by 7%. We're doing things more efficiently. We're doing things smarter. We're doing the things that government should be doing and not other things. We cut a couple, just a couple of programs really, but they were very costly that very few people benefited from. Right. The federal government can do the same thing. They've just decided, hey, we're going to spend, we're going to borrow to pay our operating bills. And when you do that, you're you're headed for trouble. We had what two to three trillion dollars of debt at the turn of the century. Now we're at 30 trillion. Yeah. It, that's just it, it's unconscionable. And it's it's our kids, it's our grandkids, it's their kids and grandkids that are going to pay the price for it. And it's not they're not going to have the land of opportunity that we had because of what they've been saddled with. Yeah, that's 100%. And people don't accurate. realize how much money that is. Like if you've ever watched one of those like people do the little videos of like the the visual graphics of like what each amount of that money represents, like it's an insane amount of money. Oh yeah. Yeah, 30 trillion dollars is pretty mind-blowing and uh you know, we heard Marjorie Taylor Green earlier in our show, we played a clip from her up on the the hill yesterday and she gave a pretty compassionate speech about how 
you know, this is just ridiculous. If, if for anything, the numbers alone, we, we need to kind of just take a step back and maybe just shut it down for a minute. Listen, Mayor Keith, this has been pretty awesome getting to know you today. Um, I think the people in Illinois 6 uh, are going to be in good hands w- with your campaign moving forward. I'm really happy to hear that, that you're running there. And uh, at some point in the future, before the midterms, we'd love to have you come back. Uh, I would love I would love to come back on and just, uh, you know, let let your listeners know uh, KeithPeacaw.com. So very simple, K-E-I-T-H-P-E-K-A-U.com. And any help they can give would be great because flipping this, the entire Congress is going to run right through this district. Yeah, it, it certainly will. Sir, do you have any other social medias you want to direct our listenership to as well? Um, so as well on Facebook, you can uh, search uh, uh, Keith Peacock and you'll find that that's pretty obvious. So those are probably the two biggest ones right now. And then also um, the, there will be Keith Peacock at Twitter. Right now it's Mayor Keith Peacock, but that's uh, that's switching over for the congressional run. Perfect. We're going to live link all those in our show description today. We'll, we'll get them over to Erica and she does a really good job of sharing that stuff as well. So Mayor Keith Peacock running in Illinois 6, thanks for joining us on this Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast. Thank you very much for having me. Well, now we're going to head up and move on to Noah's probably favorite news section of the show. No. Okay. Let me just lay a little groundwork. Jen Saki had a presser. Ugh. Dr. Fauci showed up. Ugh. Even better. Your favorite. I didn't watch it. It was so hard. It was bad. You up. You up. You are part of the problem. Scratch that record. Yeah. Um, you, you know he is science, and, and anything that, that goes against him goes against science. I am science. You are, you are part of the problem. He's probably kind of retarded, too. <laughs> I'm, not th- I'm not doing all three. Well, you're going to get three clips from him, so you might have one. Oh, God. Um, but I want to do a little bit of a lead-in. And Joe Biden was talking two days ago. and About nothing? Possibly, but made a Freudian slip. No, let's see if you catch this. Like a good Freudian slip. Developing vaccines, uh, saving lives, Ugh. giving us hope. Ugh. Also, also continuing to give me advice on uh, developments as they occur. I've seen more <laughs> of Dr. Fauci than I have my wife. We kid each other, but uh, they look, who's president? Fauci. Um, but all kidding aside, what? I, I sincerely mean it. All kidding aside, I sincerely mean it. What does you that even how, mean? Can you can you tell like his voice sounded different and his breathing was like labored? He, he's been having that really bad cough lately. Yeah. So you know that that kind of raised some red flags and a lot of people in the conservative legacy media kind of ran with it as like a joke and you know I even I was reading a, a tweet from Donald Trump Jr. today that was making fun of Joe Biden because of that. Um, but you know the the thing is it's like is that narrative untrue? It seems like anything that comes out of that guy's mouth, the administration carries out. Yeah. And it was kind of it was kind of scary to see they're him. They're going to make Fauci president? Mm. <laughs> no, well, they're saying he, he pseudo-ly is with the way he's allowed to presidentially decree stuff, and it just happens overnight. You know? Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. So he, he has been sending some mixed messages, though, and, and that's kind of been his narrative from the beginning. Um Let's listen to Dr. Fauci after he creeped in behind Jen Psaki yesterday and showed up at the White House press briefing. In terms of uh, uh, making a 
determination that yeah, I mean, again, there's the official determination of what something is for a variety of reasons. For example, employment and getting vaccinated. What is the definition? That will stay that way. For optimal protection, I'm talking about what your personal effort to be optimally protected. That's why I say we should all get boosters. Well, what about in terms of the mandate? Boosters. You have a vaccine mandate. Right. Uh, at what point does the booster <coughs> become part of the mandate? Yeah, I can't answer that right now, but I know that for the time being, the official definition of fully vaccinated is two. But do you see that changing? We keep having these variants. It, it, We're it, concerned about them. It could You're change. Concerned. It, it could, could change. change. It could change, yes. Change? Well, I don't know. Let's see what, what, what rolls out now. I mean, I know if I say it's going to change, it's going to get spread out that that's it. We don't know right now whether it should change, but it might. Quarantine for international visitors. What, do, you, do you think international visitors, when they arrive in the issue, quarantine for seven days, regardless of vaccination status? Well, you know, there are certain requirements for people who are, you're talking about foreign visitors? Yes. Yeah. Going yeah, obviously, if they are, they have to, they have to get tested within within 24 hours. And when they come back, if they're not vaccinated, they have to be in quarantine. They, they're recommended for quarantine and recommended to get a test within three days. Recommended. Yes. I'm sorry. If they, if they are vaccinated, no. Well, again, we're going to get confused here. You're talking about United States uh, citizens or you're talking about anybody that comes into the country anybody. from anywhere. I'm not sure what that's going to be. I think we'll have to just check with the CDC. Wait, so, so science doesn't apply to United States citizens unless they don't want to get vaccinated and then favor. they get fired. That whole narrative, that whole one minute and 41 seconds. Fact check? Everything's false. Thank you. I just wanted to just let everybody know yeah. that. And that goes hand in hand with the tweet I said yesterday, that in regards to COVID and anything health related, including vaccines, there is zero, listen to me again, say it, zero enforcement going on at our northern and southern borders. Yeah. Period. Wow. Zero. It's insane. Hundreds I'm of surprised they're thousands. not making American citizens. <laughs> right. Cross this border every day, either to commute to work, school, or to stimulate our economy. So stimulating. Very stimulating. Their vaccine <laughs> status is unknown. Oh. And the enforcement for it, again, let me repeat that to you for all our listening audience who's just joining us, 0%. How about new? Thank you. Um. Unfortunately, he'd stick around for two more clips, yeah. and someone pressed him on the travel ban. Like, you know, he, it was kind of racist and xenophobic when Trump did it. Fauci came out right in the beginning and said, banning people from China to come to the United States is not how we're going to tackle this virus. Doesn't seem like that was the case, though, uh, because that's where it came from. It's weird how the solution is now the exact opposite of what you said wasn't the solution. Right. It's almost like that's his thing that he does with everything like i'm just going to change my mind halfway through oh no he, and he does change his mind halfway through let's listen to what he says when 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 pressed about the african travel ban mm. in zimbabwe in namibia in lesotho in in mozambique what justify what justify imposing a travel ban on countries that have zero case of the omicron he's from one of the countries uh, of the travel there. ban you know, that's a very good question, an important question. A good and, and question. And we did struggle with that. But we wanted to see if we could bide time temporarily. So I do hope that this gets sorted out and lifted before it has any significant impact on your country. Oh, okay. So, oh, so it's only temporarily racist. He looked at Jen Psaki like, who the fuck let, let the guy, guy from Mozambique in here to ask a question? <laughs> yeah. And that's that's literally what happened. So so now you got you got 
okay, maybe U.S. citizens don't have to well, remember zero enforcement. Yeah. And then you have the guy from Mozambique saying like, why are you ruining our economy? And Dr. Fauci's kind of on his heels in steps Peter Ducey to ask him, hey, listen, why don't you just give us the straight up answer about the border crossers? And uh, l- let's make a little bit of sense of that if we're not going to talk about airports. Listen to this one. Dr. Fauci, as you advised the president about the possibility of new testing requirements for people coming into this country, does that include everybody? The answer is yes, because you know that the new uh, uh, the new uh, uh, regulation, if you want to call it that, is that anybody and everybody who's coming into the country needs to get a test within 24 hours of getting on the plane to come here. But what about people who don't take a plane and just these border crossers coming in in huge numbers? You know, that's a different issue. For example, when you talk, we still have Title 42 with regard to protection at the border. So there are False. protections at the border that you don't have the capability, as you know, of somebody getting on a plane, getting checked, looking at a passport. We don't have that there, but we can get some degree of mitigation. Is there something that- wait, you're be able. You, you- wait, you're saying that getting in a car and showing up to an official and looking at a passport that does or does not exist, mm-hmm. that's different? I don't know. It sounds like they might be in the system. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's such a disgrace, this guy. How is this guy calling the shots? I mean, if you come over and Unreal. you have your name it's written a, on a napkin. And just... like, I wonder what the people who like actually work at the border and deal with all this shit feel like. You know, they, they must be like throwing shit at the TV when vouching. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at, like, it from the outside looking in. I mean, if I don't like him, you can only imagine somebody in that situation. Yeah, essentially they've been turned into, like, Walmart greeters because when I walk into Walmart, there's a lady there. She kind of, like, gives me the evil eye and says, hey, you want a mask? I'm just, like, grab my cart and go right past her. (laughs) No check, no vaccination status. Seems legit. Yeah. So don't worry. So it's, yeah, it's kind of the same. Yeah, essentially the same. Or not essentially the same. Not essentially the same. There you go. Now, remember, this was Dr. Fauci guest starring at a Jen Psaki press conference. So we are going to hear some audio from her. Um, You know what? She she was asked why one of the campaign pillars of Joe Biden to shut down the virus. Donald Trump made fun of it at Mar-a-Lago last night when he was (laughs) introducing some – he was introducing uh, Herschel Walker – um, there in an endorsement fundraiser for him. And, and, you know, it's one of those things where they're going to start beating Joe Biden up on this stuff because fact of the matter is, if you want to code everything as a COVID death, over 150,000 more people have died in fiscal year 2021. than in 2020, when, when Donald Trump was literally Hitler in regards to COVID. So let's hear her snap back at Peter Ducey uh, when he asked her why he hasn't shut it down people doing okay to the questions from earlier about messaging whatever happened to president biden's promise to shut down the virus her face we're working on it peter another variant here is the is the idea that you want people now to kind of wrap their heads around that the president instead of shutting down the virus is going to try to help people live amidst the virus and go about their lives but COVID is going to be here well, Peter, what's very important for people to understand is you, all silly of you little Peter. Uh, are communicating to the public about what steps they can take to go back to normal or go back to normal life, something everybody wants to do. We're all sick and tired of this virus. Mm. But we need uh, uh, approximately 20% of the population or more people than are currently vaccinated to go get vaccinated and go get boosted. 
What we can do as the federal government is make those vaccines free, make the boosters free, make them available. The president will talk more about what we're going to do tomorrow. But we need the American people to do uh, more who are not vaccinated to help us continue to fight the virus. Last one, a lot of talk about the first Even though Trump it doesn't seem to matter. debate today. But at the second one, in 2020, when roughly 220,000 Americans had already died of COVID, Joe Biden said about Trump, anyone who is responsible for that many deaths should not remain as president of the United States of America. Mm. Is that still the standard now that more Americans have died under President Biden than President Trump? Well, I think the fundamental question here is what are you doing to save lives people? And the former president was suggesting people inject bleach. He apparently reportedly didn't even share with people he was going to interact with that he had tested positive for COVID himself. Fact check false. He continued to provide a forum for misinformation, which probably led to people not getting uh, not taking steps forward to get to protect themselves, to wear a mask, to eventually get vaccinated. And probably this president has made the vaccine widely available. He's relied on the health uh, the advice of his health and medical experts, and he is trying to be a part of solving this crisis, getting the pandemic under control. And I think there's a pretty stark difference between their approaches. Go ahead. Some Democrats have been. Mm. She's so full of shit. Mm. That was pretty bad. Like, I'm surprised her hair is still red. Well, yeah, there is that. It was. I don't need that. I, I just, I, I can't stand her. Well, don't worry. They would segue, and and Peter Ducey would get another shot because, you know, I don't know if you guys heard this in the last 24 hours, but you know how we're looking for the root causes of everything, right? And they're always exactly where the root causes of the actual problems aren't. Mm -hmm. Well, sticking on the same narrative, Peter Ducey inquired, does she think that 30 people running into a CVS and absolutely looting the shit out of it came from the root (laughs) causes of covid her answer is probably going to surprise you or not. Big cities are dealing with smash and grab robberies. A record number of police officers have been shot and killed this year. What is President Biden going to do about all this lawlessness? Well, uh, Peter, I would say that one, the president proposed uh, additional funding in his budget. Uh, over the funding that had been proposed by the prior president to increase and support local uh, local police uh, departments, Bias. make sure we keep cops on the Wait, beat, uh, and we ensure that local communities are working in partnership to crack down on, Defunding on crime the uh, and any dangers they see in their community. So that's no one of the bail. steps. How do you We've also lie about uh, this? worked with commu- oh. a range of communities across the country on strike forces. As you know, something we've talked about in the past, we're continuing to implement that from the Department of Justice. But no. The president absolutely believes that uh, community police forces uh, can have an important instrumental effect in uh, helping keep communities safe. And does the president still think that crime is up because of the pandemic? I think uh, many people have conveyed that, and also one of the reasons that crime, one of the root reasons crime, we've uh, root causes of crime in communities is guns She's and gun violence, flustered. and we've seen that statistically around the country. Right, to your point. So when a huge group of criminals organizes themselves and they want to go loot a store, a CVS, a Nordstrom, a Home Depot, until the shelves are clean, you think that's because of the pandemic? I think a root cause in a lot of communities is the pandemic. Yes. Oh go ahead. my god. Can you wow. believe it? Listen, I wish it was a fucking parody account. Wait, so I can go loot because of the pandemic? Apparently so. Jen Saki just said. You want to go to Home Depot? I need some more power tools. I, we could use some plywood for in here as well. Yeah. yeah. So I wish it was a parody account. 
They let all those, I think they caught like what, 14, 13, 14 of them. And they let them all out. They let them all out and they zero bail and zero bail and did not recover the merchandise. And wait, that's the crazy. No charges. (laughs) No charges. No charges. Didn't get the shit back even just like, Hey, you have a trunk load of. Hey everybody go on offer up discount Louis Vuitton. (laughs) Louis Vuitton sweats. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, every good press conference must come to an end. And uh, I, I was able to actually pull a clip on the way over here today. Um, and, and it had to do with the poll numbers and the job numbers in our last audio clip of the day. Um, Jen Psaki was on, I believe, MSNBC this morning when the jobs numbers broke and got an actual live response from, bless you, just exactly what those poll numbers were. So, you know... As I'm pulling it up here, uh, I want you guys to kind of hear us. I haven't he- even heard the clip yet, but it looked juicy, so I had to kind of just save it. Just crossed 210 jobs just added. So 210,000. Um, uh, so if we look at that breaking news right now, that's a number that feels a little, what, a little off? Well, I, I know this sounds a little archaic, but I can't comment on them until 930 uh, okay. by, by rules that because I work okay. at the White House. <laughs> yeah, but I will say uh, what people can expect Save the president the to continue to say today, month to month, mm-hmm. is that what we're seeing are good trends, that we are continuing to put people back to work. People don't want to work in this bullshit. That we are continuing to see uh, participation in the workforce, that mm-hmm. we are continuing to see the unemployment rate go down. But there's more we need to do to address core problems that have existed long before the pandemic. Because, Adrian, there's the supply chain. There's this number, um, which she can't comment on for an hour, so we'll keep her here. <laughs> it's, it's um, a little crazy. <laughs> uh, here we are. And, and, uh, and a lot of other issues that you brought up earlier. How can the White House and how can the Democrats own the economy? It feels like... It feels like well, more can be done. And I don't think it's just the White House's responsibility. I think it's frustrating as, as a Democratic strategist that, that the economy is doing so well. I mean, we have a lot of great things to talk about, right? Right, Especially the record unemployment rate, especially over the last several years. Um, you know, the fact that we are feeling like we're constantly on the defense in the economy. Um, Jen, can you talk a little bit about more, like, you know, I mean, you, you know, as a Jen, former do Democratic something before you became the White House press secretary, like... What more can Democrats be doing? Not just the White House, but what more can we be doing? Uh, duh, January 6th and COVID. To talk about, you know, how strong the economy is, even though, you know, some people feel that, you know, it's not as strong as it really is. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I've always believed, but certainly have learned a lot from the president on, is that people do not vote his on, ass. respond to data. <laughs> um, that's not how people experience things in their lives. Like, what does economic data mean to them? What what they care about and what Democrats, that's why I love being a Democrat. There's a lot of wonky oh. nerds in the Democratic Party, but we need it's to the make last it clip. real you better for go people. For it. What does this mean for childcare and what the cost of childcare is going to be? What does it mean for whether they can go back to work or not? How can they get health care for their parent? How are they going to pay for their parents to get the elder care they need? So we need to really think carefully about not getting too wonkified and She's making sure we're talking about things in a way that is accessible, that is how people, it impacts people's lives. All right, you got to go. Oh, my gosh. Nah. Like I said, I wish it was a pair. Antoinette, can you believe that it's word salad that means absolutely nothing? Yeah. Perfect. She talked so much shit. It did not. I mean, like, what did we get out of that? We got that. She, doesn't, she does not know what to say. So she feels like she, if she keeps talking and talking and talking and going around in circles, it might, you know. Well, she's got the memorized bullet points and you, well, yeah. you can tell it's falling apart.
And when when it gets really bad, then she like, you know, brings up Trump. <laughs> yeah. January 6th, ace in the hole. Yeah, exactly. Oh. It, it, it's one of those things where we're, we're going to continue to ride this narrative as long as they want to and report on it and, sh- you know, continue. To, we're punching holes in this. Yeah, I don't. If I'm it's tired not, of talking about this because it's bullshit. And yeah. if you don't see that now, you need to unfuck yourself. Yeah. If it's not our guests and commentary, it's the actual people who are going to go to Washington, D.C. next year and absolutely end this bullshit. And, and that's just something that we have to keep an eye on. But there's people in the world right now that have no <laughs> idea what's going on in other parts of the world because of this. The mainstream media is not running with any of it. Like no. the the lockdown protests all over the world, Australia, yep. like all these places, Italy, UK. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't care who you are, like, but people don't know what's happening. Like most people know something is going on and are aware now, even young teenagers are like noticing, oh. you know, and, and the, honestly, if the, those people that don't know, I, I don't think they'll ever know. No. And it's not going to be our job to to force them to see it. It's yeah. going to be their own job. I'm done with that. Like They're going to learn a lesson. Yep. Joining us last today on this action-packed Friday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, she is a Christian conservative. She's one heck of a public speaker, and we've seen her in person. She's also the author of Choice Privilege. And returning back for her second time on the show, Miss Melissa Tate, welcome back to Steak for Breakfast. Oh, thank you guys for having me. Anytime. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Um, well, we, we met in July. We sat down. We had a great talk. It was you and, and your friend uh, there at the Clay Clark event. I know you've done yeah. several more since, in addition to some other big things. I mean, you've sat down with a couple of pretty big influencers out there between that and now. Why don't you give our listening audience a little bit of an update of what's been going on in your world? Well, I have just been, um, you know, trying to get my message out as far as, you know, the um, the race issue that has been going on in the country, as we all have been watching the left take advantage of that. So I've done a few uh, podcasts. Um, I was actually on the Alex Jones show yesterday. Wow. Nice. Also, yes, I was on um, I was on Man in America. Yep yesterday and i spoke in san antonio texas at the clay clark event and i'm actually going to be in dallas this coming weekend so i'm kind of all over the place now i had taken a little bit of a break because i was actually moving moving from missouri to florida nice so yeah so i'm enjoying the freedom over here in florida so it's been great (laughs) i wish i could go to florida well yeah we we all wish we can go to florida well, let's talk about, uh, you know, the reawakening tour, what it started out as and what it's grown into are two totally different things. Um, mm-hmm. We've kind of done play by play. We've played clips. You know, we've had people on who have been on the tour uh, since July that, that met us originally and, and kind of circled back with us since. Why don't you tell mm-hmm. us how, how this has grown so much um, and, and, and the amazing job that you guys are doing over there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, it it just started out, I think Clay Clark just kind of, you know, took a step of faith and was like, I'm just going to throw this thing together and, you know, get some people over here to speak so we can try and get get the word out there about what's going on in the country as far as, you know, the vaccine. Well, at the time, it was mostly about the mask issue, you know, the COVID situation that that, um, you know, the politicians are taking advantage of. 
so he put it together, got got some speakers. I was actually at the first one in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah. And it had about 4,000 people showed up. And that was like, wow. Well, at first, I think he actually had started at a much smaller event, was going to be like 150 or 200 people. And then as he was putting the word out there about the show, um, you know, he just got a ton of response from people and he had to move the event. He was like scrambling, trying to find a new location that would hold a lot of people. And um, the Rama Bible College stepped up and said, hey, we'll do it, which was huge because, you know, that was like at the height of COVID. That was when everything was still kind of shut down and everybody was hesitant to open. A lot of churches were still closed at the time and they just stepped up and said, hey, we'll do it. So people showed up and it was amazing. And it was one of the first few events that you would see in the country where you had, you know, thousands of people gathering at the height of COVID. So it was awesome. And uh, since then, it's, you know, he's just had a tour. I think it's been every month in different cities. I haven't been able to go to every single one because, you know, I I have three little ones and, yeah. you know, I'm kind of juggling both things, trying to fight for the country and, you know, have a family and raise kids and all of that. So it's a bit of a, a struggle, but trying to make it work. So I have been to a few of the um, events. I, I went to Tampa. I was in Anaheim and that's where I met you guys. Yep. And now I uh, and then San Antonio and now I'm going to be going to Dallas and hopefully Phoenix as well. Oh, nice. Well, we, we are looking forward to maybe seeing you again in Phoenix as well. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Yeah, it's That'll geographically awesome. close enough to us out here in San Diego for us to make the trip. And uh, definitely something we don't want to pass up on when we get the invite from Clay. No, sounds great. It'll be good to see you guys there. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a really good time. Um, let's talk about some of the things that you're passionate about. You kind of gave us a little bit of an introduction to how critical race theory is having such a negative impact from everywhere to where it's, you know, being intertwined into the top tiers of maybe the military, the federal government, and all the way down to the youngest levels of school. And, and this mm-hmm. is something that you've you've pulled back the curtain and shown an incredible light on and, and being able to articulate it so well. Uh, why don't you give our listening audience a little bit of insight on how you've been kind of carrying that narrative of exposing this lately? Yeah, so uh, the... Critical race theory has bedded itself in every sphere of American society. I mean, it's now, you know, like you said, in the military, in corporate America, in sports and entertainment, in education, now all the way down to, you know, kindergarten Mm -hmm. where they're teaching this stuff. And when initially, I mean, this is something that has been going on for, for many years, but it has kind of slowly taken root into the country. But the acceleration happened during the George Floyd incident. That's when it really became uh, codified into the American psyche and the system. And that was the first time that I noticed that it had become very mainstream. Right. You know, this idea that America is, you know, systemically racist and, you know, all of that stuff. Prior to that, you know, it's something that I would notice, you know, with far in the far left corners of academia, Twitter, and, you know, that that was the narrative there, but it was never really like something I would encounter in my day-to-day life. And then after the George Floyd uh, tragedy and, you know, the ensuing um, hysteria with the media and everything, 
that was the first time I actually started to notice it in my everyday life, like with friends and family members, you know, parroting the narrative, uh, even down to my own pastor. <laughs> wow. Who, you know, started posting about his white privilege on social media and oh no. Post yeah, posting Black Lives Matter decals on the church windows. Wow. And it was just like I was just in shock. You know, that was that was the shocking part for me was seeing the church, you know, right. even like pastors that I had followed for many, many years and, you know, really respected, you know, like the big uh, pastors, the ones that are really well known, you know, that I really thought were solid men of God. You know, they they were all just jumped on the Black Lives Matter bandwagon at the at that time. And to me, it just seemed very disingenuous um, because it looked like they were just going along with the world. Right. And it wasn't really because uh, they had done any research or, you know, try to figure out exactly what's going on behind all that was going on. They just kind of jumped on it because, you know, they wanted to look good and look virtuous because that's, that's, you know, that's, I mean, everybody agrees with the sentiment that Black lives do matter, but mm -hmm. we all know that it's an organization that is a Marxist organization, um, self-proclaimed. Right. They do very little, if anything, for the Black community. They're really a far-left LGBTQ um, activist yeah. group for yeah. the far left that's what that's what they really are at the core because if you really read their yeah. their manifestos and the things they put out there or even just their website you know one of the nuclear things their family too yeah exactly nuclear family and 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 you see the church jumping on that bandwagon and and you know it was wild. just very yeah it's wild it's wild so you know that that that's the year that i actually ended up that's what pushed me to write my book because I was just so frustrated with the ignorance around me and everybody just parroting the narrative that we've been hearing in the media that police are hunting down, you know, black people. And then when you actually look at the data, it's like, it's absolutely not true. Mm -hmm. You know, it's actually the opposite. You know, the a police officer is 10 times more likely to be shot by a black man than the other way around. True. You know, so little things like that, that I know, but the average person who doesn't really do any research or do, is not really a political, political junkie like I am really doesn't know that stuff. Cause you know, the media has a totally different uh, biased right. way of reporting these incidents so they just go with that so I wanted to write a book that you know kind of put all of that in one place a very easy to read book that even a 15 year old can understand and mm -hmm. just put all that in one place and also uh, ties in and and gives it historical context as far as critical race theory its roots you know in Marxism and also tying it to, you know, my experience growing up in Zimbabwe. I don't know if your audience know this, but I, I was actually born and raised in Zimbabwe. Wow. I came to the United States at 19. And interestingly, uh, now looking back um, at what happened in Zimbabwe, I'm sure you guys may have heard, but we had the most, the worst economic collapse in the history of the world. Yeah. The yep. worst inflation made the Guinness Book of Records. And now looking back and looking at critical race theory in retrospect, I'm like, it was critical race theory that completely destroyed Zimbabwe. Crazy. Right. Yeah. 
Wow. So that just, you know, drawing the parallels of what happened in Zimbabwe and what's happening here in the United States, it's the exact same playbook, the exact same Marxist playbook, because in Zimbabwe, um, you know, we have a white population. Zimbabwe was colonized by the British, you know, hundreds of years ago. And then in 1980, we gained our independence uh, from the British rule. But after that, you know, uh, white people still lived in Zimbabwe peacefully with black people. Our president at the time, you know, even said that we're not going to look back at colonization and what happened in the past. We're going to move forward and look forward and not look to the back, not look back. So that's the Zimbabwe that I grew up in, where black and white people lived together in peace and there was no racial tension. But at, um, but towards, uh, I would say, maybe the mid-90s, when the corrupt government began to spend all the pension funds for the people that were, um, you know, civil servants, war veterans, you know, they spent all their pension funds. They misused a lot of the money. The corruption uh, basically bankrupted, were bankrupting the country. And a lot of people became very angry at the government, at what they were doing. So instead of them taking ownership of, you know, their corruption and their failed policies, they decided they were going to scapegoat the white farmers as the reason for why the country was falling apart. Yeah. So the narrative just shifted immediately, different from what I grew up with. So it now became, oh, the reason why people are not succeeding in the country is because the white farmers own all the land and they, they don't even belong here. They're colonizers. So we have to take their land and we have to give it to the people. And so, you know, just the demonization, the same thing is happening here now. So you just see how the Marxists will exploit whatever division they can. If it's a racial, it can be racial division, or if it's a country like Russia where, you know, everybody was the same race, they, they exploit other things like religion and economic status and so forth. So those are kind of the, uh, so that's part of what I discuss as well in the book, just drawing the parallels from what happened to Zimbabwe and when they did that, you know, when they scapegoated the farmers, demonized them, seized many of their farms, production completely went down 60%. The country began to fall apart because all those jobs and industries that depended on, depended on the agriculture, uh, agricultural industry completely fell apart as a ripple effect. And that, that was the catalyst to the complete collapse of Zimbabwe. So after that, Black people suffered, white people suffered, everybody suffered starvation because the white farmers were the biggest producers in the country. And that's what really drove the economy for the most part. So when that happened, you know, it, it completely destroyed the country. So, so I've seen the devastating effects of, of what this narrative does. And um, when I started to see it happen here, I started to, it was like deja vu. And I started to connect all the dots, even though I was very young growing up in Zimbabwe at the time, I obviously didn't see it as critical race theory or as, or as Marxism at the time. But now looking back, I now see exactly what was happening. There yeah. is what's happening here. 
Yeah, it's the same formula, and people refuse to see that it doesn't work. Like it's hasn't worked multiple times. Yeah, people don't same thing. It's the same playbook. They just name it different things every time. Just you know, reinvent. Right. It's like you know the uh, new world order is the you know the great reset and vice versa. Right. Absolutely. And and then you have a lot of these bad actors. You know, you have people like one of the BLM founders, Patrice Colors. She she stepped down from the organization, air quoting, mm. organization this year. She went and and shortly thereafter, she had to take care of her mansion. She, yeah, she purchased a home for one point four million dollars in cash. At the mm. same time, you have yep. you have Ibram X Kendi, who's probably one of the most racist people on the entire planet, mm-hmm. um, who's completely against capitalism. And you could hear him talk about it via Zoom for the low, low price of $20,000 an hour. <laughs> and then you have people. Oh my I mean, gosh. I'm not an expert on capitalism, but that sounds like it's pretty upper echelon ta- ap- capitalism. And then you have people, and we've talked about her extensively on this show, Nicole Hannah Jones, also one of the fabulous editorialists from the New York Times who decided to make up a story to rewrite history, namely the 1619 Project. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Melissa, why can't the like the average person in the United States see these three one sentence stats that I read to you and, and realize that it's not racist to have to call people on this stuff that they're doing to this country? Well, a few things. I mean, first of all, the media is most people, you know, just go by what whatever the media tells them. I mean, the average American is so busy with their own lives, with their kids, trying to make ends meet, that they they don't really pay attention to politics the way, you know, we do because we're kind of in that space where, you know, we're always, I mean, we work in that space. So we pay attention to a lot of these things. So yeah. if I were to add, name those names that I've given you to like, my my husband's brother who just loves football and you know (laughs) and he just you know takes care of his kids and goes to work and that's about all that his life is about he doesn't really think twice about politics he says it's it's boring to him he's he's not really interested the the only thing that he'll do maybe is like vote in a presidential election and that's about the extent to which he's involved in politics so a person like him, the the names that you've just mentioned, he probably wouldn't even know who they are. Yeah. Well, so <clears throat> go ahead. So what he draws from the Black Lives Matter, someone like him, would be whatever he's heard, like, you know, just passively in passing from like a news thing or maybe something that pops up on his phone um, on Apple News or whatever. And we all know that most of that is coming from the mainstream media. So his perception of that is not going to be very informed. It's just going to be, you know, in passing and it's just going to be fed to him by, you know, the mainstream media. And it spreads and like a virus per- through social media. It's just going to be like, oh, wow. Okay. So these are, this is a civil rights group, Black Lives Matter. You know, they're fighting for justice and liberty uh, or, you know, for black people. And that that's 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 what's going to go through his head. So that's what we're fighting right now is the fact that, you know, most people don't really get the correct news. 
and most people don't really care too much about it to really get involved and really do their research. That's a great point. Yeah, they're just going to look at what their friends are parroting on social media and be like, well, I respect this person. Mm -hmm. And that person is getting their information from somebody else and it spreads like a virus throughout social media and people are not informed and just deliberate falsehoods are being perpetuated. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the issue. And that's why, you know, we as conservatives, we have to be bold enough to speak, yes. you know, whether it's on social media or with friends and family, because if you don't say anything, they may never, ever get get a different perspective on, on the issue. Very true. Now, Melissa, mm-hmm. I know that you're in this fight for all the right reasons. Do you see historically the resilience that the United States has been able to overcome things like this. Do you see our country being able to get past this, this immense division that's being, you know, injected into our country right now? I think we will eventually um, overcome this only because of the historical precedents of, of America, but otherwise aside from that, I mean, we have a very powerful enemy, but I, you know, I, I find hope in the, in the fact that America was founded, you know, on biblical principles, you know, it was founded on a covenant with God. And I, I believe that God is going to honor that and he's going to supernaturally see us through because I, I feel like aside from supernatural divine intervention which i believe this country was created by supernatural divine intervention because this is a um america is an experiment that um you know is something that the world has had never seen in the in the years the thousand years thousands of years of history of human history this country is a miracle Mm-hmm. And it came into being by divine intervention is what I believe. So I believe that same divine intervention that created this miracle of a nation is going to come through and deliver us from this evil. And that's that's what gives me hope. Because when I look at it from a natural perspective, I mean, it's it's like a David versus Goliath situation oh yeah when you look at the um when you look at how powerful the um the new world order is and and really their power comes from from deception they don't really have power but they they do have the power to deceive so many people and the acquiescence of so many people is what gives them power but they don't really have power it's the power that we as human beings give them And there's still too many human beings that are still giving this system and acquiescing to it and going along with it. You see it with the COVID situation. Oh, yeah. Yep, of course. Yeah. You see a lot of people complying with it. I posted, I don't know if you saw that uh, post that I posted on Instagram of uh, Jordan Peterson saying that he got the vaccine because he thought, okay, I'm just going to get the vaccine so you can leave me the F alone. Yep. And that's why he got the vaccine. Well, that's what everybody's doing. I'm I'm, I'm disappointed in Jordan for that. Wow. Yes. So I was like, somebody as smart and intelligent and as historically astute 
Right. You like know, you don't see where that well leads learned, to. Learned of history and tyranny and all those things. Thought that if he just gets the vaccine, tyranny is going to leave him alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> giggle, giggle. Unbelievable. Huh? Chokes, on, chokes on you. Yeah. yeah, jokes on you. Exactly. And that's what he says in the video when he's describing. He's like, well, stupid me. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, Jordan Peterson, you're one of the smartest people in the world. <laughs> but that was stupid uh-huh. because you know that acquiescing to tyranny only emboldens it. It's not they're not going to leave you alone. Right. They're just going to it's just going to give them the boldness to go to the next level. Of course. And that means boosters every month. Melissa, boosters every, every month. Every yep, day. exactly. Last question I want to ask Wake you. Wake up with a booster in your cup. And I'm not trying to to jump the ship here. And we have not talked about this. I was just thinking about it. You know, I've been listening to you talk. I've been watching your social medias. As comfortable as you feel answering, do you see yourself having any kind of a political future in the United States? Um, you know what? I've, I get asked that all the time. Everyone's like, you, you need to run. You need to be in Congress. We need you to run. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I wouldn't hate I've it. I've never I wouldn't hate thought it of doing something like that. Um, uh, man. <laughs> It'd be amazing. Yeah. I, I would just say not now, not in, in, in the stage of life that I am in now. You know, I have three young kids. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, I tell you, I have my own little ones too, and it's not. Oh, you do. Time. Yeah, so I totally understand you in that aspect, of course. Oh wow, how old are yours? Well, I have a fourteen-year-old and a three-year-old. They're big, okay. big time difference, but my three-year-old yes. is like having three <laughs> little. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So, so you know exactly. You know the situation. Yep. So, exactly. so yes. So if I um. You know, if my kids get a little bit older, you know, I might revisit that, but definitely not in the cards, not anytime soon. So I'm gonna that, I'm gonna mark that answer. Da- I'm gonna mark that down <laughs> as a well, soft yes. <laughs> it's gonna be a soft yes. Soft yes. Yeah. <laughs> Possible. Okay. Possible. That's fine. I like it. <laughs> you heard it softly here first. Yeah, exactly. And we love you. And and we will we will gladly invite you on the show anytime you have time to come down to talk with us. Melissa, we're gonna live link your book. And we want you to tell our listening audience where they could find you across social medias. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, on social media, I'm at the right Melissa. So right as in right, not left. The right Melissa um, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And then my website is realmelissatate.com. And I actually created a uh, um, coupon code for your audience. So promo code steak they can get um, nice. 15% off <laughs> the book thank you, thank you so much <laughs> yeah absolutely so your audience can grab a few copies they're great uh, for stocking stuffers to wake some of your nieces and nephews up who may be sympathetic to nieces nephews aunts uncles co-workers friends who may be sympathetic to the black lives matter thing you know it's a good christmas gift or oh, stocking yeah. stuffer <laughs> I'm telling you what, we're, we're going to bring a copy to, to Phoenix and we, we would love for you to sign it to put in our studio as well. I got my copy upstairs. There you go. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. And thank you for joining us today on this Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast. The book is Choice Privilege. The woman is Miss Melissa Tate. 
Well, thank you so much. Have a great day. You, you too. Take care, dear. Not bad. Another action-packed Friday edition of Steak oh. for Breakfast in I the like books. It. Thanks. Mr. Garrison liked it too. Held back today a little bit. Mm. Maybe next time. Button's getting a little warm, worn out. Uh, you're going to have to switch them up. You know what you don't switch up? You don't switch up where you listen to the Steak for Breakfast podcast. You can find them on all major downloadable podcasting platforms. You can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Podbean, Google Podcast, FM Player, and now iHeartRadio. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and of course, share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds of the week, obviously to our three guests, Mr. Josh Barnett out of Arizona 6th, Keith Peekow out of Illinois 6th, and not 6th, because that would be weird if it was three of them, Miss Melissa Tate, major influencer, pushing back on that critical race theory narrative. We love it, and we love her. Also, some of our uh, social media show creds, Cagbro88, the Patriot Babe accounts, Garbaggio accounts, Christina Baba OAN, she's starting to heat up with some election-related material in Wisconsin, Mike Crispy killed it this week on Red, White, and Truth, Tom Pappard, editor-in-chief of the National File, awesome, 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 linking up Mark Meadows and Stu Peters this week, Tom Pappard's getting ready to relaunch the National File website as well, get ready for that, and Miss Amanda Milius, who's going to be our guest next Friday, however, linked us with two America First candidates who will be joining us on the show in December. Um, friends, don't forget to follow our, you know, and give some love to our sponsors who don't sponsor us, but our small American businesses that we want to make great again. They're our friends and partners. My pillow, Save the Republic, Giza Sheets, Pillow Slippers, Mike Lindell. <laughs> Enter promo code STEAK at checkout for up to 66% off my pillow products. You can also use the website at mypillow.com forward slash steak. And you can give them a call on the telephone at the pillow phone. Ooh, is it red? It better be. Is it fluffy? I think it's blue. Well, <laughs> it's at 1-800-658-8045. Man rubs. We're heading into the holidays. Nothing says loving like rubbing it all over a piece of meat and throwing it in the slow cooker all day while you're out Christmas shopping or hanging the lights and then coming back in and having some nice butt roast. Thank you. Manrubs.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram. Don't mistreat your meat. Stay Ready Gear and Stay Ready Gear holsters. They're at stayreadygear.com. Melted Kydex done right. You love steak for breakfast. They're in your top five Spotify's of the year. Melt some plastic with our image on it. Wear it under a shirt. It holds your gun. They have Facebook and Instagram as well. West Coast Survival Arms. Mike. He's got the ammo. He's got the pew-pews. It's the Christmas season. He might have boat licenses as well. You got to lose them once you get them. Mm-hmm. Mike's at westcoastsurvivalarms.com, newly redesigned website. He's via the telephone at 619-870-6992. And on Facebook Messenger. Noah's headphones, extremely jealous of them. They're very nice. They are extremely nice. Thank Back to the Future, Doc Brown, combined with an Egon Spangler Ghostbusters invention. Yeah. But the sound quality is godly. Odyssey, the world's most reliable headphones, and they are awesome. Odyssey.com, Facebook, and Instagram. All our first responders working hard during the holiday season. 
They shop for off-duty gear at Mediocre Medic. T-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, sweatshirts, and more. Stickers and patches for the buses, for the ambulances, for the fire trucks, and their medical bags. And last but not least, Mark Joe Friday. Go see him down at dumpbox.us. First Zero Fucks Duck Christmas edition. Ooh, dang. Dropping this weekend. Dumpbox.us, get in on the drop. Facebook and Instagram, make sure you check them out. Upcoming shows. On Tuesday, we're going to have Jessica Harlow, fashionista expert. Kind of a base shit poster as well. It's going to be a good show. <laughs> Dr. Cordy Williams, who just announced his Senate running in California, he'll be joining us as well. Next Friday, Amanda Milius is going to circle back, and we're not going to have anyone else join that show because she's all we need. We're going to talk about the plot against the president. We're going to talk about the Mike Pompeo State Department. We're going to talk about the John McAfee documentary that she just announced was coming a little over a week ago. On the 14th of December, we have two of three locked in. Mike Collins running in Georgia 10. Joe Kent circling back out of Washington 3. We're in final preparation to get Anthony Sabatini, and it will be a combination of the most based and America first roundtable discussion of candidates running in the midterm elections ever. Facts. Thank you. We're going to lock that in. We're going to make that final announcement on Monday. On the 21st of December, Becky Lexit's going to join us to do the news as a guest host, and we're going to have special guest, second time on the show, Mr. Seth Keschel. And on the 28th of December, Andrew McCarthy, who's running in New York 10, is going to join us, and it's going to be a great Amanda Milius-sponsored episode with one of those America First candidates. Episode 100. Now, Noah, only 12 away. Nice. Norbin Laden, locked in. Geisha Montez, locked in. Creator of Steak for Breakfast, Nick, locked in. I'm going to add a couple more, and, and we're definitely going to get there. Friends of the Week. Brendan Memes, X, The Coziest Fam, James from We The People Radio, Snack Nicholson 2.0. like it. What's the backup? Uncharted Territory. There you go. The Duke of Memes, Defiant L's, Grand Old Memes, and of course, Pubertos. Guys, thanks to remember between now and Tuesday when we'll have Miss Jessica Harlow and Cordy Williams joining us. Do your own research. There was a lot of people on our show today, including the three of us who gave you guys a buttload of information. Get in there and do the research. Hold the line, buy the dip, snatch the wigs. Let's see what happens because every lie will be revealed. But most importantly, where we go one, we go all. This has been episode 87 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And on behalf of my co-host, Noah. Later. And Antoinette. Okay. I'm Roan. We'll be back on Tuesday with episode 88, Jessica Harlow and Dr. Cordy Williams. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. And take care.
when I talk about r- rationality, I say, well, how do you, you know, convince a real QAnon believer that there isn't a cabal of, of uh, Satan-worshipping cannibalistic pedophiles <laughs> in, in, in the, the Democratic Party and, and Hollywood? In the basement of a pizza house? In the ba- basement of, of a Comet Ping Pong pizzeria. You know, the answer might be for some of them, you can't. It's kind of like the question, how do you convince the Pope that Jesus was not the Son of God? Right. Well, you you can't. I mean, some people will go to their grave believing what they believe, but you don't have to convince everyone. 